BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here With the young boy Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be discussing the latest Special Super Junior and World Tag League shows, answering your questions, and covering all its news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPW. EXT.US today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man? I'm hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these uh, Tuesday recordings, this is like uh, new for me. And, you know, as we discussed on previous episodes, I'm doing it because wrestling night is Monday nights now. So, like, God, bro. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sore. Out there bumping. I, well, you know, I'm a young, I'm a young lion, so you know they got me doing Hindu squats, me with <laughs> cane, stretching me. The rough life, man. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Make me wash uh, Matt Seidel's underwear. It's weird. <laughs> you give you giving out back rubs, yeah. massages. Yeah, I got massage all the other <laughs> trainees. It oh. Sucks. 
I, I do usually like clean up the ropes, spray down mats and stuff like that. <laughs> Disinfect. But I'm like older than everybody, so <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of weird. It's, it is weird. They don't really ask me that much. I just I just do it, BD. Nice. Pay your dues. Yeah. Well, for this business you love. Paying for the lessons. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, that counts, I don't know. Oh <laughs> uh, man! Before we dive into stuff, we gotta you know continue to plug our year-end awards. Uh, last week, the the voting dropped. We also dropped our bonus episode with Rich Latta from One Nation Radio, right here on Social Suplex Podcast Network. Oh, that's Rich Latta from our network. I thought it was Rich Crate from POW. <laughs> Yeah, there seems to be uh, some confusion there on which rich is rich, uh, which which rich is which. Try yeah. saying that ten times as fast. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. People thinking you know rich is rich Lada, rich Krejci. People thinking uh, Ishii sucks ass. Crazy out here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's some wild times we're living in, man. Um, yeah, uh, it was really fun recording that episode. I can't. I mean, every day. I mean, these the, the voting is probably the closest it's been in years, it's dude. It's crazy, you know. <laughs> on the the year end award preview show, we said, especially when it comes to like wrestler of the year, we just didn't feel like anybody was like, grabbing us. You know, in previous year, they were, like, didn't grab the brass ring, pal. <laughs> you know, last year it was clearly Osprey. The year before it was clearly Omega. The year before it was clearly Okada. Like there were these clear like cut guys that like I know for a fact these guys are winning. And this year it's been. Up in the air, and literally the voting is so close between like four guys right now. Yeah, and every day it changes. Like one day we're like, wait, what? And then the next day we're like, wait, what? <laughs> and then the next day we're like, oh, okay. Uh, so it's it's been interesting, but um, yeah. I if you guys are listening to this, please go vote, rock the vote, <laughs> smack down your vote, smack down your vote, vote or die. Um, you know, get your votes in, and then. Please do us a favor. Uh, I know we ask you to buy our shit and, you know, to rate us and all that. But, like, this is serious. If you are in a wrestling group or in a wrestling circle or any have any sort of swear pool, we would like to have this vote. Um, we're already on track right now to have more votes than we've ever had prior. And we want to see that con- that trend continue. So if you have friends that watch New Japan or you're in like a Facebook group or a Discord channel or anything like that, please share the poll and put it out there. And, uh, you know, we appreciate it. It's something that like we want to have as many voices be heard so that we can make sure that we we pick the right shit. Yeah, this is the award of the people. Like we say, you know, you know, Josh and I, we came with the, with the categories and the nominees but the end of the day. You know, you, the listeners, the voters are going to, you know, really decide who are the winners of the Keeping a Strong Style year-end awards. Well, we already got heat. Uh, my girlfriend was vo- voting, and she was like, where's Taichi? And I was like, he's all over these awards. She's like, not enough. <laughs> and then she's like, where is he in Wrestler of the Year? And I was like, well, we already had 10 guys. He didn't make the cut. She's like, that's ridiculous. Did you even see his G1? He had such a good year. This is preposterous. She's like, I want a writing option. And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people who who want writing options for uh, for different awards, but that's not how it works. That's not here. how it works, pal. That's not the gimmick. Although, oh, we should put it out there just so you guys know. We forgot to put Zach. Say, well, I don't know if we forgot to put Zach on Gaijin of the Year or if we had decided against it. 
Yeah, honestly, I don't remember. Uh, but whatever happened, Zack Saber is—he was omitted from the Gaijin sidelined, sidelined from Gaijin of the Year. We apologize <laughs> to Mr. Saber. However, he's doing well in several other categories, so that should make it up to him. Well, here's the thing: maybe he would have done well, but like I've got a hunch that he wouldn't have because right now it's not really that close of a race for Gaijin of the Year, and it—it's. Trend, yeah. it's still trending, yeah. It's kind of in, a, in it's a kind of a runaway, way. so I yeah. think we, we saved that man from an embarrassing <laughs> <Embarrassment>. defeat. <laughs> and I know, uh, one James Boyd over at One Nation Radio was uh, had some heat for us for leaving off Jonathan Moxley off oh. of the uh Gaijin of the Year. Yeah, he had five matches in the company. I know <laughs> that's the deal, he had five matches in the company, it's not enough to be Gaijin of the Year. Um, we had him on the list the last year. When he, you know, was in the G1, was in the G1 and, you know, worked some other dates and things like that. And that was even that was like a little questionable. I mean, not really, but like that was like, eh, he's not really. Is he here? I don't know. But, you know, this year he would have probably been Gaijin of the year candidate had he been able to come over. But COVID COVID. Yeah. And Tony Khan. <laughs> Tony Khan closed that Yo you see that today He closed yeah, the door Yeah we're gonna cover that In, in the news section But um, yeah uh, No mocks at Wrestle Kingdom One other thing um, Moving on to another subject So I hate to make it All about my wrestling But this weekend Sunday night The revolution will not be televised <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a My first ever I don't want it. Well, it's not a professional debut because it won't count on my quote on my cage match. It's unsanctioned. It's un, yeah, it's unsanctioned. Well, it is sanctioned, but it's privately sanctioned underground. It's like Fight Club, basically, you mm. know. But um, the side dojo is having a little, uh, you know, soft. Uh, it, it, it's a showcase show for the students, and it's not open to the public, but it will be open to friends and family of the competitors, and. Um, you're going to that, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. I will be the course. Well, I I'm just asking. I, I, I cannot miss the the first <laughs> the semi debut of the young boy. I feel like it's basically like a like a dance recital, <laughs> for, or like you know, um, like a music recital, like for like little kids. That's kind of like what it feels like for me. <laughs> Except I'm gonna beat somebody's ass. <laughs> but um, yeah, maybe next week because literally there'll be. There will be footage of it, but you'll never see it. It's not going to be hitting the airwaves. It's not making the the rounds on YouTube. But um, our very own Jeremy Donovan will be there, so maybe he can give you guys a little uh, a little taste next week. Yeah. Well, I plan on bringing the garrote wire <laughs> to the show in case I try, you know, try to screw my boy. It's not on the up and up. I can jump out, you know. Well, they we actually keep everybody behind a plastic partition. Well, I'm going to get through. <laughs> You know, Yo. lights out, you know, lights on, laugh off. You remember the out. time that, that drunk dude uh, jumped the barrier in uh, NXT? NXT? Yes, and Kyle O'Reilly kicked the crap out of him. Yeah. Kicked that guy so hard in the head that it ricocheted off and hit. <laughs> What's that uh, female referee's name? Jesse? Yeah. yeah or Je- Jessica. Or yeah. Jessica. Hit Jessica in the head. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. And then, um, what was it? Uh, uh, fuck all night, Tucker Knight. Fucking... Push that dude so hard into the ropes, I thought he was gonna break his neck. Like it was nuts. Yeah, it was also that one show, um, that um, that Raw Nimi show he went to. Oh, where, where that kid, that drunk kid that went to my high school, uh, ran to the ring when the guys were brawling outside and took a. He's bump. like a cop, right? Yeah, yeah, that drunk cop kid. He uh, jumped in the ring, started taking weird ass bumps. All the wrestlers tried to jump him, and then all these cops were trying to fight them. It was 
They need to stop having free beer shows. <laughs> Every time they have a free beer show, some some crazy shit happens. Yeah. But let's uh let's talk about the matter at hand. Yeah, ten minutes and let's let's jump into uh Bro, ten minutes of banter, that's that's nothing, <laughs> nothing bro. <laughs> let's jump into these best super junior and world tag league shows. You know, one thing that we haven't really talked about um is you know the opening matches on these shows. My man, the Larry Tier Larry <laughs> Can't even say that correctly. No, this morning Jeremy walks out with his uh cozy Kojima shirt on. And it says Lariater on it. And I was like, in my head, out. and then I said it out loud, I was like, you know how this went down. They're like, uh, so, you know, Kojima, what would you like to have on your shirt? And he's like, mm, let's put down Lariater. And they're like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, that's not a word. And he's like, I said I would like to have the word Lariater on my shirt. <laughs> and they're like, all right. And that's how we ended up with the Lariator shirt. Yes. Uh, my man with the strongest arms, Satoshi Kojima, has been teaming up with Hanma on this tour. They are undefeated 10-0 and against Nagata and all the, the various Young Lions uh, combinations they've been having throughout the nights. Um, you know, some solid opening matches there. Loving the stuff between uh, Kojima and Nagata when they're mixing up in there. But ultimately, Kojima and Hanma, they should... Be the World Tag League champions right now. That was going to be my hot take. I think what should happen is when whichever team wins the World Tag League, um, you know, once they win it on the finals night, Kojima and Hanma should get in the ring and be like, let's make this a three-way dance. (laughs) We've been out here winning every night. (laughs) Only undefeated team on this tour. (laughs) I mean, yeah, they deserve it. I mean, they're, they're fucking everybody up. Everybody meaning kid. Suji, Suji and Nagata and Yumura. Is Yumura's not in these? That's right. He's in the yeah. Uh, just Nagata. Yeah, just Nag- Suji and Kid. Yeah. I got some thoughts. You got any thoughts on this? Uh, on these matches? Yeah. They've been solid opening matches. Um, you know, I'm a big Kojima fan, so it's always great watching this man. You know, lariat these young lions' heads off, and yeah, they're, they're good little openers. The work's been good. One thing I noticed was during the backstage comments, Nagata keeps mentioning like, "Why do I keep letting?" the young lions be the last ones in the ring. And he's like, cause I want them to be the one to win. He was like, I could beat Kojima or Hama any day of the week. <laughs> he's trying to give the shine. But I'm trying to give the shine to the young pups, you trying know, to put them over, trying to put them over. He's like, and they just, they're close, but they're not quite there, you know? And then, um, Kojima and Hanma are like coming out every night and putting them over too. But like the, there's kind of a running story where Hanma wants to win, but his Kokeshi never works in these matches. So he's like, by the end of the tour, I'll have to have beat one of them because he's talking about how like in the pecking order, he's so low now and they're so good that he's like, they're like my competition. They might be passing me. So I need to be the one that beats them at least one of the nights. And so far it's just been all Kojima. Yeah. My man is busting out that, that Lariat. Have you noticed that they haven't looked good? They're not taking the Lariat very good in a lot of these matches. Suji is. Suji's taking them in. Suji's like doing like flip bumps <laughs> off the Lariat. Yeah, you're right. Suji's taking them good, but um, Gabe Kidd's like not even getting hit. He's like avoiding the impact. Man scared. <laughs> yeah. He sees the strongest arm coming at him. <laughs> I would be scared too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's just funny. And then, um, you know, oh, and Suji was talking about how, like, his goal is to be in the opening match of Wrestle Kingdom, whatever that's going to be. And he's like, but it's not looking too good right now. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it could be in a Rambo. Yeah, you know, um, and I've also thought um, 
I thought Hamas looked okay in these matches. Like a lot of the kind of like apprehensions I had last couple years after his return, it's not really there as much. He looks to be in better physical condition at least this year. Yeah, I mean, he seems fine to me. He still feels like he's moving a little bit slow motion. Like, he's, oh, no doubt. Yeah, he's like hitting the spots like perfectly, but it's like super slow. <laughs> right, but remember before, like he couldn't even use his arm. Yeah, so it was dangerous. That's yeah. what I'm kind of talking about. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying he's like back to prime form. That's never going to happen. But you know, he looks competent, which is all I'm saying there. <laughs> yeah, uh, we did have some questions uh, from Kevin from DC on these guys here. Uh, so he says, this might be the smallest of small points to make about ring entrances, but when Suji and Nagata come out together on 11-28 for their match against Hanuman Kojima, Nagata had def- definitely had the facial expression of, Suji, your young line, you better sprint to the ring. Obviously, Suji has permission from the top brass to not do that, so I guess my question is, what do you think about the young lines being allowed to exhibit basic personality traits? Kitamura flexing his muscles and Kawato, sorry, Master Wato, growing out his hair when he was a young line also comes to mind. Um, I mean, the reality is all, all young lions eventually start showing personality traits as they go through the system, at least in modern times. I'm not saying for all of times, but like in the last, at least since we've been reviewing, yeah, like the last six or seven years, they all gain some mitochrome of like personality. They like add little wrinkles to their game, finishing moves. They all pretty much grow hair out. Um, some of them even have, like, gestures and things like that. I mean, that's pretty normal that they all kind of come into their own over time, especially, you know, I mean, Suji's been, Suji and Yumura have been there almost three years now. Right. You know, typically, like, it's normal, like, you, you start off with, like, the captain or the head of the class kind of guy. You know, your your Uminos, your Kawatos normally kind of start off being the first guys that kind of show that personality and get, like, their special, you know, finishers. You know, Kawatos do the, the trouble in paradise as a young lion for his finisher, but then eventually it kind of trickles down. The longer you're there, the more... More time you get to show what you got, and you eventually get to do some kind of other move for your finisher. So, yeah, just part of the system there. And he also asked, any famous Kojima Nagata matches from 03 to 2011 we should check out? Because they are holding their own in the openers, and I bet when they could go in their prime, they were great. Yeah, I was confused by this question at first because I thought he was asking, like, against each other. and I, But then I realized, like, oh, okay, he's just asking for, like, general match recommendations and you know it's funny we've actually um since we've been doing recommended match of the week we've recommended quite a few kojima and nagata matches but uh i mean i can give you a couple off the top of my head um kojima's best stuff is probably honestly in all japan um it's got a match with tenru from o2 that's like probably one of his best matches um the kawada match from o5 where he won the triple crown is really great. And then actually the match four days later, it's in New Japan, but it's against um, Tenzan. And that match, almost it, spoiler alert, goes like 59 and change. It almost goes the full draw, but it doesn't. That match is like awesome. Um, those are all like kind of in that like time range. Um, for Nagata... Uh, I would say, well, definitely the Kijimuto G1 final that we discussed a few weeks ago. That's mm-hmm. from 2001. Um, oh, the, the Kenta Kobashi uh, GHC title match from 03. And then probably that January 4th Tokyo Dome match with Kensuke Sasaki from 04. That one really, really rules. 
I'm also partial to the January 4th Josh Barnett match, although I don't think a lot of, <laughs> other, a lot of other people might not like it as much. as It's Inokiism, but I love it. Yeah, I mean, also, obviously, another great thing to do, also use, you know, cage match, type these guys in. You can sort it out by either Observer Stars or the cage match ratings, and you'll find a lot of the great matches that way, too. That's true. The only thing is, for that time period, some of that stuff is kind of, like, lost, you know? Right, some of that that dark age stuff. Yeah, not as many people are watching it, so some of it kind of gets underrated or undervalued. That's the only thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, my, my recommended match of the week comes from kind of the dark age kind of time period. And oh. n- nobody's, I, I have found no ratings <laughs> or reviews on this thing. I know right now that it's a Koji Kanemoto match. It is not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Because uh, that's your boy. He is. I, I do want to do watch some more uh, Kanemoto. Uh, but there was one match that I saw gifts of on Twitter. Like, I need to watch this full match. And so we'll talk about that when we get to recommended match of the week. All right. Let's move on now to, uh, I'll start off with best of the Super Juniors. So we had uh, three shows. Best of the Super Juniors, light. Light. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had the 23rd, 25th, and 28th of November. And so here we'll start at the top of the block here and look at Hiromu Takahashi, who has 10 points, 5 wins, and 1 loss. On the 23rd, he defeated Doki. On the 25th, he defeated Yuyamura. And on the 28th, he defeated Robbie Eagle, so ticking time bomb on a, on a, a little winning streak here. Um, Hiromu versus Doki is my favorite match Doki has had in the company. Even more than, he had a really good match last year against uh, Will Ospreay in the Super Juniors, right? Yeah. I liked this more. I loved this match. I, I'm like, I know it's probably four, but like I want to go four and a quarter or even higher. That's how awesome I thought this match was. These guys are crazy. Yeah, they took some. Bro, let me tell you something. Now, now that I am doing some wrestling, <laughs> I can like tell you some stuff. So, we took a crash pad. They weren't like we weren't practicing. I was just being goofy. But mm-hmm. we have a thick ass crash pad. It's the same crash pad that AW uses, and we had it on the cement floor. And I like did the senton that Hiromu does, but just off of literally off of the uh, the apron. The apron, and we have a a low ring. Like, it's very low to the ground. And I was not expecting that when I hit that crash pad, it was going to hurt so bad. I mean, it wasn't even, like, a shooting pain, but it's still, like, solid. Takes the wind out of you. It's nothing like bumping in a real (laughs) ring. And then I realized, like, oh, my God, they do this every, like, all the time on the real cement with, like, like nothing. Bro, it, it makes me, like, cringe every time I see anything on the floor now. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Doki hitting the, the Doki bomb, sent on off the top to the outside. Uh, there was a spot there where, um, I think it was this match where Doki did the, um, he did, like, a uh, monkey flip to Hiromu on the apron, or was it the other way around? I don't remember. Uh, there was, like, an apron. I don't know if there was, like, an apron spot in this match. Uh, but, yeah, I love the Hiromu-Doki match. Also, I went four stars on that. Really enjoyed that match. Um Hiromu and Yuya Mora, really great. I thought it was Yuya Yamura's best match in the tournament so far. And his last two matches um, have been really great. So that, that tells you something. Um, I mean, for a young lion, you know, comparatively speaking. Mm-hmm. And then Hiromu and Robbie Eagles is probably the match of the tournament. And, I mean, you, you look back to back to back, Hiromu has given all three of these guys – their best matches of the tournament. And we kind of said same similar thing last week about most of his opponents. I mean, like, I can't see how he's not 
the far and away leader when it comes to MVP of this tournament. And like November's over, we we haven't we we'll wait to announce that next week. But like I'm pretty sure it's like open and shut. It's him. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and with, and I'm sure anyone in these matches could end up. It's probably going to be this, this Eagles match here, which I love that main event. Uh, I went four and a half on it. It was just, it was, it was awesome. Uh, I'm four and a quarter on it. <laughs> four and a quarter. I'm four and a quarter on it. I really liked it though a lot. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the match. This Eagles has just been. We'll talk about him in a second, but yeah, overall it's great kind of back and forth, and I love just how like kind of a cocky prick Karomi was, uh, you know, beating up Robbie and doing the Robbie chants. You know, the Robbie, Robbie, Robbie. Oi, oi, oi! Yeah, I, lo- I loved that when he like w- when he like had him seated and he's like smacking his head. Yeah, yeah, that was really great. So yeah, great back and forth stuff in that matchup there. Uh, Hiromu, he he had to bust out the time bomb too. To beat Robbie Eagles. It's true. Yep. I think the last time we saw it was like against Ishii. Yeah, in the uh, New Japan Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had a question from Asai underscore Ujimbo. He said, what do you think about Hiromu headlining over junior champion Ishimori throughout the best of the Super Juniors? Yeah, so I think we, we touched on this a little bit last week. We had a similar question, but at the end of the day, you know, Hiromu, he's a star. Whether he's a champion or not, he is the most over guy in the junior division. And so with his popularity, the popularity of LIJ, it makes a lot of sense business-wise to put him in those main events. Now, however, with Ishimori being the junior champion to help Ishimori get over, I, I think they should have given him a little bit more, some, some more main events. Well, here's a couple things I'm wondering. So they took the title off of Hiromu in Jingu Stadium. I'm wondering what the plans were at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, did they know there was going to be a Super Juniors? Were they planning, if there was a Super Junior, to have Hiromu win it? Maybe that's why they took the title off of him. Maybe they were planning to put him in the G1 if, hypothetically, like Jeff Cobb couldn't make it into the country or right. something. Um I'm also wondering if maybe none of that is the case and they just have a long-term plan and it's playing out right now and this is just the way they booked it. But with all that being said, I'm throwing all those caveats caveats to say this. I know that it's a very hard in this uh, current, you know, you know, situation to have foresight to book long-term, but if this was the plan, I think it's a really bad plan. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me from a business standpoint. Yeah, you know, we didn't talk about this, but I was thinking about this. Like, it probably would have... Made more sense for Hiromu just to keep he should the just title. Refa- yeah, he should just um, retain the title. Even if he wasn't G1, I mean, we've seen junior champions in G1s. I mean, we saw um, Osprey in the G1 as a junior heavyweight champion. And so if, if he ended up being in the G1, that would have been fine. He could still have been the junior champion. Well, let's also talk about this. We don't know what's going to happen at Wrestle Kingdom, but let's just go with the most practical, straightforward booking decision. Hiromu wins. He's going to fight Ishimori. I mean... I don't know. <laughs> you know, when I say that, like, it doesn't, like, get me excited because I've seen those two guys wrestle already twice here. Maybe they end up in the finals against each other. We see it a third time. So by the time they actually get to the Dome, that would be, like, the fourth, third or fourth time that they've wrestled. And, I mean, it would just be Hiromu getting the belt back that he already had back in August that he didn't need to lose in the first place. Right. I... I think I would have preferred if Hiromu had gone into this as champion. They built a credible challenger like 
a Desperado or a like show or something or Watto or whoever you want to choose. And then we have a big buildup for Wrestle Kingdom. But with this, I don't, I, I just don't think that it's uh, the best booking. Right, and even even with that, if you did it your way, the, the single block still kind of kills it because they're going to face each other within the tournament, and then you're going to. Oh get, no, uh, you can be you can get creative with that. Yeah, but I'm still. It's like they don't have to have. A, I mean, at that point, you could do count out, double DQ, right? You know, whatever you need to do, um, quick roll up out of no surprise, flash pin. Yeah, and I'm not saying that those are always. You know, I'm not advocating that they use that sort of stuff. I know that there's been shenanigans in the company, but when you don't do it. And then you choose to use it that one time. It can be very effective and shocking, and almost save the match. Maybe they, maybe they they brawl and they brawl to a double countout, you know. And it, and it's like, you know, there's heat between them for whatever the storyline reason is. And then you kind of want, and it only went like four minutes. Now you really want to see it because it was pretty wild, right? That's how they used to book these kinds of tournaments a long time ago, and they kind of got away from it. Right, and we saw that when we were doing our final countdown series during the kind of beginning of the pandemic there and reviewing all the best Super Junior finals, and we you know, went through the history of how that we got to the finals, and a lot of those were single-block tournaments. Like you mentioned, some of those matches were shorter, and then you got to the finals, and it was a longer uh, version of the match. Yeah, so, um, but with all that being put aside, I mean, I just basically said that to be like, I don't think Hiromu should be headlining. I think your champion should be headlining, and the the problem is Hiromu is so much more a star than Ishimori and the other guys in this division that they've decided to put him on top for business reasons, and it doesn't logically make a lot of sense, you know? Right. You know, I, I think even like in this this pandemic era, I mean, they're they're filling up you know Cork and Hall, they're filling up these arenas with the capacity they have like do you think it really would have made a big difference if Hiromu's in the semi made yeah because they're going to small towns and it's winter time and it's the you know I guess the super juniors it might draw but it's not really super juniors like <laughs> like how it would normally be and if you find out like oh I'm going there but Hiromu's gonna be third from the top or you know second or opening or whatever and then you're like what's the main event oh Wato against Ishimori, I don't know. I'm good. <laughs> it's not that people wouldn't come out, but I mean, if you see, if you find out, oh, Hiromu Takahashi, crazy ass Hiromu in the main event, he's gonna have a favorite, wild match. Yeah, the most popular junior, you know, in the past few years, he's gonna have this great match every night. Yeah, of course I'm gonna attend it. Why would I miss that? Right. So I think that's why. So let's move on now to the current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori, who's also tied. With Hiromu with 10 points, 5 wins, and 1 loss on the 23rd, he defeated Yuyamura. On the 25th, he defeated Robbie Eagles. And on the 28th, he defeated Bushi. So much like Hiromu, peeled off 3 wins in a row. Um, Yuya Yamura and Ishimori have had quite a few matches this year. Um, I think this is like the 3rd or 4th singles match they've had this year. Um, according to the comments he said, I didn't like cage match it, but... Uh, I found this match to be very good. I thought it was up like prior to the Hiromu match. I thought it was Yumura's best showing in the tournament. And I really loved like how fired up he was at the end and like kept slapping Ishimori and <laughs> yeah. everything. Um, and Ishimori has been doing this new thing um, where he'll go for a yes lock, but then he has a, a different version, which is like a, he's using the jurisdiction. Oh, that's what it is. It's the jurisdiction. Yes, Taiji Ishimori. He popped on his GUW. He, he watched some old John Juris tape. 
But who did you, who did you get that from? I got it from uh, Alex Shelley, the the Border City Stretch. Yeah, it's the Border. It's city. also what Gargano uses, the Gargano Escape. Right. Yeah, he's been putting that on, and then when the guy gets close, he'll roll with them and come up and do the uh, Bloody Cross. Yeah, and that's like been his like kind of closing transition that he's been beating guys. Well, with. some of these matches he has won with the the Jurisdiction slash Border City Stretch slash Gargano Escape, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But he, that's what he did here, um, and I thought that was great. I thought him and Eagles was very good. Um, I was kind of hoping for better, but it was still very good. It was probably like three and three quarters. Yeah, it was definitely probably the best match of this stretch here. And also, too, there was some interesting. Also, we don't have we didn't have the English commentary, but there was. I did. Well, yeah, you you probably watched English. I watched it in Japanese, so I didn't have you know was, you know there's some callbacks here because also these guys used to be former. Tag team partners when uh, Robbie Eagles was still in Bullet Club. They were the junior tag team at the time. So kind of some history there uh, between these two guys. Yeah, a lot of really great uh, coverage by Gino Gambino. Being from Australia, hating Robbie Eagles, (laughs) being a quote-unquote member of the Bullet Club. He Um, he is a member of the Bullet Club. I guess. But uh, (laughs) he didn't get a tracksuit, bro. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that match ruled. And then um, Ishimori beat Bushi. I mean, it was fine. It was there. Um, Ishi- Ishimori's having a really good tournament. But like you said, he's not really headlining too often. I think the match with Eagles, was that a main event? Uh, if not, it was no, a semi. I think, I think it was a semi-main. Either way, I mean, um, he's still just, you know, he's at 10 points, 5-1. and one. He's only got, a, what, they've only got uh, three more, two yeah, more? Yeah, they have three more matches left, yeah, because there's nine guys. There's ten guys, so each of them works on nine times. So oh, yeah. that's right. Okay, so yeah. they, they got three to go, and, I mean, if he wins another one or two, it's probably a wrap. Yeah, him and Hiromu, since they both already kind of face each other, I mean, there's a high likelihood that, that, like you mentioned, that could be the finals again and have that matchup to build to some dome match. It doesn't sound that exciting, but when you think about it, it's like, well, they opened with it. They might close with it. They've done that before. The only thing is, like, Hiromu would need to win again. Which would be weird. It would be weird, because then he'd have beaten him twice in a row, and then he'd have to beat him again in the dome, so that'd be like, you know, Unless he, he, he lost the dome. I guess. Like, yeah. I mean, they could do that. I was kind of thinking that they were going to do, like, a tag team thing, because the whole Despy situation with Hiromu, and now, uh, now it seems like they're going more possibly towards Wato and Taguchi against... Well, well, Kanemaru is hurt, so I don't even know what's happening with the tag. Right, I don't either, but they're like still in the backstage talking about it, and they're setting up the match regardless. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting. We don't have much to say about Taiji Shimori. Like, really, what we have to say is like he's been good. He's winning matches. He might win this thing. He's probably not because he's the champion. That's yeah. that's about it. Yeah. Well, let's move on then to Show, who's at eight points, four wins, and two losses. Um, Show for me right now is a mixed bag, uh, in the sense that like he's performing to a really high degree, but they're still like they're not letting him be the kind of. St- Junior star that I think he could be in this division Right like, I feel like when he's wrestling Like we talked about this last week When he's wrestling guys like Shingo you know, When he's wrestling like you know some of the heavyweight guys I feel like he gets more of a chance to kind of shine And then when he's in the junior division For some reason like there seems to be just something He's just not kicking it to the next gear for some reason Yeah um, I will say though um, 
Desperado and Watto, have you noticed Show has been integrating a lot more uh, Yave into his offense? Yes, yeah. So that's been cool. And then he's been kind of working almost like a more like integrating some of his luchador roots. You know, him and um, Yo spent quite a bit of time in CMLL. And we Fujin and Raijin? Yeah. Uh, Fujin, yeah, they're Fujin and Raijin. I don't know if they were always Fujin and Raijin while they were there, but yeah. And I, I don't know if it was CMLL, but they're also Tempora boys at one point. Right. But um, I think he's starting to kind of like embrace some of that and kind of integrate it into his game, um, which is cool. And these two different competitors, Desperado and Watto, both spent quite a bit of time in Mexico, too. So I felt like they kind of meshed pretty well. Um, yeah, and let's, let's run out his opponents real quick. So on, on the 23rd, he uh, defeated Risuke Gucci. On the 25th, he lost to Desperado. And then on the 28th, he defeated Master Watto. Right. Okay, my bad. Yeah, I should have listed the matches. Um, so, yeah, so he went 2-1 and one here. He's got... Four wins, two losses. He is still alive currently. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's wrestling really well. I, I mean, like, there's nothing more he could do. I just think that the company needs to put more behind him because I feel like he's ready to go right now, personally. Yeah, yeah for some reason, yeah, it seems like they're kind of having the, holding him back for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what it is, to be honest. Uh and, you know, eight points sounds great, but we've actually got two other guys with eight points. So we're at a very parody-based, uh, you know, point in the tournament. I'm sure it's going to change in the next, you know, few nights. But right now, most of these guys are still alive. Not all of them, but most of them. Yeah. Out of these uh, series of matches that show had here, I'll, I'll tell you the Desperado match was my, my favorite out of these three matches. There's a lot of drama there. With Despy working over um, his knee and show trying to fight from underneath and fire up and work through the knee injury, but ultimately he just couldn't, um, you know, get past Despy and the Brock Lock there, and he had, was forced to submit. Yeah, that finish was was it the Brock Locker? I thought he. What did he get with the uh, pinch? He, he had him in the whatever. Uh, I don't know what he calls the Brock Lock, but he had him in it and then pulled him out, and then he got to the ropes and then it turned it into the pinche loco and then. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, which I was a little surprised by that, but it makes sense because they're you know they're going with Despy to a certain degree in this tournament. But um, yeah, and Despy's well, we'll talk about him in a second. But he's the one guy who has a victory over Hiromu in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, aside from that, though, um, I was glad to see him beat Watto. <laughs> 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 so there's that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, show should not be losing to uh, Master Watto. <laughs> yeah, I'm not counting show out or anything. I still think, I mean, like, um, when we had Karen on the show, she really sold me on him quite a bit, and I was like, yeah, it makes sense. And I still think for a lot of reasons it could make sense. I, the problem is just, uh, you know, the Hiromu factor is the big issue here. Right. Yeah, and with, with three matches left, I mean, yeah, he could find a way, you know, it just takes a couple losses for Ishimori or Hiromu for Show to kind of slip into a final spot there. Well, I think the big issue is like the last two nights, I think he still has Ishimori and uh, he's got Yumura, which is a gimme. So he's going to win that. So he's yeah. going to be at least at 10 points. But then he's got to beat Ishimori or Hiromu, one or the other, pro- preferably both of them. Right. That's a tall order. I mean, but I mean, he's going to. 
that it is kind of great in a certain context because like he's going to get spotlight. Those are big matches and right. big crowds. Especially if he could beat Ishimori, then he gets the claim to maybe you, you throw him in the junior match. That way it's not just Ishimori Hiromu. Maybe you get a three-way show Ishimori Hiromu. Is that who he's fighting on the final night? Uh, hold on, let me scroll down here to the schedule. Actually, I don't have the... Let's see, I had the block final night, so he's facing, let's see here, uh, t- yeah, Taiji Ishimori is who he's facing on December 6th. Okay, and is that at Budokan? Uh, I thought the, That's at Fukuoka. Yeah, the, the 11th show, the actual, the, the finals. Okay. The overall finals is the uh, Budokan. Okay, but he's in the main event against Ishimori or the semi? Well, the match card is going to be determined by oh, right. the points. So right now it's just they have listed all the tag and junior matches because it's going to be a um, combined night. And depending on the point order, then they'll um, we'll figure out what the actual. But I'm going to, I'm going to guess that a junior match will main event. And honestly, looking at the card, I mean, Ishimori's show doesn't make the most sense to main event with as far as you know, a match quality and star power, I would say. Yeah, I think that's possible. He could also wind up kind of just playing spoiler at the end here. Um, you know, he eats the loss against uh, Hiromu, and that maybe eliminates him based on mathematics at that point, and then he, you would be looking at him as basically a spoiler from that point on against um, against Ishimori, which is a possibility. Um but those are two big matches for him, and they're two of the matches I'm looking most forward to in the tournament. So I'm excited for him, and uh, I I don't yeah that same thing I've been saying is like I think I think he's ready. Yeah, I mean if you're if you're a show fan like you know hope hope still alive, hope still alive, Karen. You know it's your boy show. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a chance there, and there's a good chance that he could get in. And I think especially with Yo being injured, this would be the, a great year to get him in a junior title match at the Dome. I think that's another reason why they might be holding him back is, you know, um, because they still have plans for him and yo, maybe that's the deal. Yeah. So we'll see, but uh, let's move on to the guy that he defeated on the 28th way to the grandmaster and master Wato, who also has eight points, four wins and two losses on the 23rd. He defeated El Esperado on the 25th. He defeated Doki and then, like we mentioned, on the 28th, he lost to show. So, Watto picking up two wins here. A very surprising win here on the 23rd against Despy. It is, but like we mentioned, it's a very parody-based tournament so far. They've given almost everybody in the tournament some sort of surprise victory. So, uh, not too shocking or surprising, I would say. But, yeah, I mean, it was a big deal because it's Watto's first actual, like, um... You know, main event. Right. So that was kind of a big deal. And uh, he's at this point beaten Doki, and he's beaten Desperado. But the one junior in Suzuki-Goon he's never beaten is Kanemaru, and I think that's on his way. Yeah, and I, I feel like that was going to be the opening match. That, um, that man needs to come back and take this L. <laughs> <laughs> Kanemaru was like, oh, you want me to job? Oh, my knee hurts. Oh, oh I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna be out. I'm gonna miss this tour. Sorry, guys. But um, was that like a Macho Man voice? <laughs> why, why? Why does your Kanemaru sound like Randy Macho Man Savage a little bit? I, I wasn't trying to do a Randy. And <laughs> I, I, just, I don't. I don't know how to do a Kanemaru. Oh yeah, brother. <laughs> oh brother, the knees hurt, brother. It's not gonna work out, out there for me uh, in a Watto. You know. Uh, 
Dig it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, so I think we've kind of you know great uh, aired our kind of grievances about Watto last week, and is it getting better? I would say this week was better than last week. I'd agree because last week he was botching a lot of stuff, and that's when I pulled my notes out and I was like, he's doing well the basics, but then some of the high spots is where he's botching. But I think these these three matches he was definitely a little bit more sound here. What I've noticed is a lot of the stuff he messes up is when it's cooperation-based wrestling. Mm. When someone's basing for him or he has to base for somebody. When it's just the regular movements, you know, like he can hit that spiral tap and it looks incredible. And the tornillo. Yeah, he can hit tornillo. His dives don't suck. Like uh, his basic, his basic movements in the ring and his strikes and everything, they look good. It's just when he's working directly connected to somebody that shit gets fucked up, and I don't know why. Yeah, when they try to do just some kind of opening sequences, some some basic kind of chain wrestling sequences, it gets, kind of gets all kind of jumbled up there. I, I also got to wonder if maybe some of it is just confidence-based, you know? I'm sure we're not the only people saying these sorts of things, observing them, hearing them. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't, I don't understand Japanese, but, like, can you imagine if, like, you're supposed to come back. People think it's a joke. They're talking shit. You know, you're a young guy. <laughs> yeah. That might, like, rock your confidence. I remember, like, hearing about, like, you know, you hear about these old wrestlers, like, like Ric Flair when he came back to WWE and his, like, confidence was shot. And people were like, you're, you're Ric Flair, you know? Right. Like, I, I want to shake up this kid and be like, you're Watto. <laughs> <laughs> you're Kawato, man. Yeah. You were raw. <laughs> hey, you know, when we, when we interviewed um, Rocky and Matt, you know, they didn't mention, like, you know, you come back to the back and, like, you know, Gato will mention, you know, some things to you if, it, if there's something he wants more of or stuff like that. And so, yeah, maybe it's a situation like that. You know, he's coming back every night and, you know, Gato's like, yeah, you know, I need more of this or, like, you're, you're, you're messing up, like, whatever. And maybe, yeah, that's getting to him. Every, every time, like, I do something that I'm not supposed to do, Matt's always like, I'm going to tell Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> As if yeah. I'm ever going to wrestle in New Japan. <laughs> hey, never say never. Um. Yo, but one thing we got to touch on, Watto, so he uh, he gets the mic against after he beats Desperado, and he's like, I finally did it. I won in my first main event, and you hear, like, some light clapping, and then he was like, I will make my way to being the Grand Master. Silence, bro. <laughs> Total and fucking utter silence. Did you Did you catch that? So I, I caught that. I didn't know what he was saying. I didn't watch the translations, but like I watched the pro, his promo and noticed that there wasn't much reaction at all. Bro, it, he was like saying, I'm going all the way. I'm going to be the grandmaster because I watched it in the English. Right. And they it was so bad. They After he said, I'll be the grandmaster, instead of waiting for the claps, they just cut the feed and went straight to the back <laughs> because they didn't want to show that like, oh, these people did not react to him at all. And then um, the reason I'm talking about like his confidence is like, his promos in the back are, they're nothing, bro. Have you been watching them? No, I, I, I tried catching up on some of the, the backstage promos today, but I did not see any of his. Bro, he doesn't say, he like comes back, he's like, oh man, it's a really hard match. I, uh, uh, my, my shoulder, uh, and he doesn't say anything. And then like Tenzon walks up and he's like, oh yeah. And then Tenzon takes over. I've actually seen some of Tenzon. So I, I feel like I've seen more Tenzon talking than Watto. Tenzon's doing all the talking. He's like, yeah, Watto, he's, he's getting there. Four wins. 
27th, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, super juniors. This might be his year. He's going all the ways, beating everybody. Like he's doing, he's basically playing like a 1980s WWF manager role for like, you know, Brackus or something like that. <laughs> he can't talk, you know, the warlord or something. I don't yeah. know. Like, but it, it, but instead it's Watto. And like, I don't, those promos should just be like, those promos aren't even real promos. They're just like, oh man, you know. Desperado, he thought he could cheat me, but I, I was too smart for him. You know, that's yeah. all they're saying. Like, what the fuck? He can't. He doesn't even cut promos. In yeah, the back. I mean, Suji and Yamura and those guys are cutting better promos. I mean, just by the fact that they're cutting him, yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. I don't know what's going. That's why I'm like, I, I can't imagine that this is part of his quote unquote character. It, it feels real. Like I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll keep our eyes on, on eight, Watto. Eight points, Master Watto. <laughs> and you know, on on the preview show, you said Watto was your pick to win. So maybe, did I? I don't know if you were joking or serious, but you you went with Watto, bro. I don't remember that shit. <laughs> Honestly, for these two tournaments, the only, well, I was I'm pretty sold on God, but like I'm not really sold on anyone in particular. I. I think I've kind of just been in in the back of my head. I've kind of been going with show while knowing it was most likely going to be Hiromu. If I said Wato, I said it. I don't remember it, but uh, you, you might have been joking. But I, I, I do think I do. I did think he was going to do well, and he has. So there's that. Yeah. So yeah, just like show, he also you know has a, has a fighting chance here, and another guy. Is also up there with them with eight points is El Desperado with four wins and two losses. So like we mentioned on the 23rd, he lost to Master Watto in that big upset there. And then on the 25th, he defeated Sho. And on the 28th, he defeated his Suzuki-Goon stablemate, Doki. I really liked the Doki match quite a bit. I'm right there with you. That was the, the most compelling match for Despi out of this run here. And just a story there of obviously they're both in the same faction. Um, and Doki, at this point in the tournament, like obviously he's, he was already out, but he's just trying to earn respect here and show that he's no punk. And, you know, stepping up Desperado, you know, pulling out the pipe and just kind of showing like, hey, just because we're in the faction you're ahead of me doesn't mean I'm going to back down. And he was, he was bringing the fight to Despy. There was a match in Just Tap Out earlier this past, this year, um, where it was... Um, what's his name? God, what, Taka Michinoku. Because Taka is still quote unquote part of Suzuki Goon. He's just like in the Lance Archer category. Of like he's <laughs> yeah. over in JTO. Yeah. But uh, the match was him and um Taichi against uh Doki and Desperado, and they told a story of Doki trying to get respect from Taichi within the faction that like he didn't respect him. and like he wouldn't back down, and he was getting his ass beat by Taichi for it because there's like this hierarchy thing and. Um, I kind of got similar vibes to that match during this match. It, not quite, but it was very similar. Um, but yeah, what I liked this match was the technical wrestling. Yeah. Like both these guys were doing Yave too. Like, is, <laughs> I think we might be going into the, like the fucking Yave, Yave like, era. era. Yeah, bro. Well, good for Excalibur. Cause I, you know, I hear about Yave every week on dark, uh, when, um, and Helico wrestling. So it's, it's a year of the Yave. I didn't know what it was until either Excalibur, when he was calling a New Japan match, mentioned it, or um, Rocky Romero. Like, I'd seen it, because I watched a lot of old Lucha, you know, 
Negro Navarro, Negro Casas, people like that. You you see them doing this, you know, Blue Panther stuff like that. But I didn't know what to call it. I was I always just called it like yeah those crazy lucha submissions because <laughs> I literally was I was like I knew that there was this like very technical mat based style that was like very wacky and submission based, but I didn't know what to call it. And then now I'm hearing people call it Yave. I've tried to Google this shit. You can't find anything <laughs> about it, bro. There's nothing. I've I've tried changing my Google preferences, everything to Spanish, like that. I'm in the region of like Mexico. Yeah, and I've I've tried like navigating that way i can't find anything on it like at all yave underground i can't i don't even know how to spell it i've tried like 12 different spellings just based on like what i think the like pronunciation or etymology would be but like i don't actually know how you even like spell yave yeah i i don't know but i i just hear it every week on on dark when that and hell goes wrestling bro stop watching that shit (laughs) that's terrible Just, just watch strong I'm watching your your trainer, uh, you know Matt Slidell. He's always always featured on uh, Dark. Yeah, uh, well, I think he's gonna be on Dynamite this week. Yeah, he's in the Dynamite uh, Battle Royal. Oh, is that why? <laughs> 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 I saw like I saw him post something where like his fa- like it said like War is coming or yeah. whatever, and I was like, oh, Matt's on the uh, like because I don't really. I, well, I'm gonna watch this week. I don't watch every week, but I'm gonna watch. Uh, obviously, I'm gonna watch this week because of Kenny and Mox. Yeah, but yeah. So let's move on now to Bushi. Oh, before you do that, I just want to say Despy's been pretty pretty awesome in this tournament. Yeah, he's definitely one of the standout guys here. I would say if you, if you're cherry picking, I would I would watch the show match and the Doki match. Oh, those are really good. I, I, out of all three, I really love the Doki match the most. Bushi six points, three wins, three losses. He defeated Robbie Eagles in what I think many would call a little bit of a uh, upset. Yeah. Let on uh, November 23rd, November 25th, he also defeated Rizuki Taguchi, stringing together two wins, and then um, he fell to Taiji Ishimori on uh, November 28th. And Bushi, man. <laughs> the thing is, the same thing that we said last week. It's the same thing that we say every year when we review Best of Super Juniors and we get to, and we get to Bushi's name. He's fine, dude. You want to talk about Gentleman's Three? Like, to me, in this tournament, Bushi is like the perfect example of Gentleman's Three. Like, his matches aren't bad, they're they're not great. They're nothing to blow away. It's solid work. Um, you know, he goes out there, he has a standard little match. I mean, he's not in many main events, so he's getting like, you know, 11, 10, 15 minutes here. It's kind of going out here, doing a good little match. Your, your Gentleman's Three, uh, the, the crowd digs him, he gets his little bit of reaction, and he, he does his thing. I remember one time, uh, I don't think it was last year's awards. I think it was the, the awards before, but, like, we were doing junior match of the year, and he, he had this really great either junior title match or, like, a junior qualifying tournament match against Osprey, and you wanted it to be in the match of the year, and I was like, fuck no. <laughs> and, like, we were fighting about it, and, like, every time you'd, like, give me a compelling, you're like, I think you should be in there. I'd be like, but it's... Bushi. <laughs> I don't think it ended up in it. Like, I pr- probably didn't. Um, yeah, I think it was from Super Juniors that year. I don't. No. I don't think so. I. I have a feeling it was from late in the year. I remember it being like a power struggle match or. Oh, you're right. I think and it, it was, was good. Yeah, I think it was, it was power really. Struggle, it yeah. was really good. But like, you thought it was good enough to be in, and I kind of was like, hey, I don't think. It was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. I mean, Bushi. Here's the deal with Bushi. 
he's he's good, but he's only great when he's wrestling someone that's great. And I mean that in the strictest sense. He literally is only great. Like we talk about some guys wrestle up to their level of competition, but there's always anomalies to that, you know? Mm-hmm. There's always outliers. Not with Bushi. If Bushi's not wrestling something someone that's way better than him that can pull him up to their level, he's not gonna go any further. Like he cannot carry someone he can carry someone to a very passable match, but that is it. That's the that's the long and short of it. But uh his masks that he's been coming out for the raw. entrance, they've been raw as fuck. His drip, it's on such a crazy level. Like if we did like, you know, entrance gear of the year or something, he'd like have to be nominated, but we don't, so <laughs> Uh, you know, um, you know, I haven't announced this on the show, but I too now have a girlfriend. Oh uh, yeah, uh, and uh, I was talk- talking to my girlfriend about the the year end awards, and she's like, you know, why don't y'all have you know best dress or best hair, or cutest butt? And I was like, because that shit sucks. <laughs> I'm like, nah, nah. <laughs> well, we, you know, some, some there's some things we could have done. Like we could have done most popular, most hated. We've never done those. Um. Wrestling move entrance theme of the year. We've never done those. We could we could do best finishing move. We've never done that. We best could, entrance theme. That's what I said. Uh, uh, and then the the one like best dress, best gear, or whatever. Those are all. Th- and then we could also do like most underappreciated or like low key or like unsung hero, or whatever you want to call it. Like, but we've never really done. Right. I, I think we try to emphasize the ones we think are the most important. Yeah, I mean, just like New Japan, a lot of our awards are kind of based on, like, the in-ring action. Right. I mean, and I don't know. Like, I'm not a gear guy. Like, you know, so I'm not keeping track of the, uh, throughout the year. Like, when I vote in, like, say, the One Nation Radio Awards, and they're like, yeah, who's got the best gear? I'm like, I don't know, Sasha Banks? <laughs> <laughs> well, Sasha Banks is always a top candidate. Like, she's always, I always vote for her because she's pretty much the person. Yeah. Cody? <laughs> 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 Oh, man. What's up, Rich? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Rich is getting uh, enough heat this week, man. Yeah, bro. Well, the funny thing is, like, people... Okay, so l- let me address that for one second. So some people complain about having Rich on the show. Okay, first off, Rich is our boy, so he's always going to be on the show. So that's the deal. But, like, it was very clear that when we had differences of opinions that we voiced them, you know, it's not, like, all gravy. Like, he thinks one thing... I disagree, but I but we're quiet about it. Like we respectfully disagree, and you know, leave it at that. I think it's boring audio to just always have the same people just saying the same shit and just like circle jerking each other. Like that's stupid. Yeah, you know. So I mean, if you hear someone on here that like doesn't see things your way, that's fine. I I don't like to live in in a bubble like other people, bro. Like I don't. I'm fine with people disagreeing with me and. uh and they can be wrong, and I can argue with them. <laughs> <laughs> and I can be wrong, too. And, you know, it's good to have outside perspectives. Now, I'm not even saying Rich is an outsider. That's preposterous. Like, you know. Calling that man an invader? No, not at all. <laughs> you know? Bro, Rich Rich was on here advocating for Tai Chi to be IWGP champion. <laughs> yeah, Rich was saying a lot of, like, great, like, positive things in, in the mix of his criticisms. and We just... We just defer on how we, you know, it's funny. We all kind of agree on the same stuff. We just defer on how we handle it. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, how, how do you deal with, you know, despair or distress? You know, people deal with grief differently, you know. <laughs> I've made peace with it. <laughs> Rich is still in the anger phase <laughs> and denial. 
Oh, man. Dude, that tells you how much we care about Bushi. <laughs> the fact that we just went on this whole sidebar, uh, this whole tangent that had nothing okay. to do with Super Juniors. All right, let's, <laughs> in all fairness, Bushi beat Eagles, and that was pretty surprising. Um, and, yeah, he's at 3-3, three and three, but he's done. Now. He can't win. Yeah, he's good. At this point, everyone else that we're talking about is done. Yeah. So, also with six points, three wins, three losses, is a coach, Rizke Gucci. He um, lost to show on the 23rd. He lost to Bushi on the 25th. And then on the 28th, he got a win over Yua Yamura. I guess technically these guys aren't really dead necessarily. I'm, I'm doing the math. I'm like, they could get 12. Right, because, yeah, if they, if they all won their matches, they would be six. They could eat six and three. But no one's given Bushi or Taguchi three more wins. I, I, I Maybe Taguchi could get a win or two more, but, yeah. But uh, we're talking about Taguchi now? Yes. Yeah, so, and you win over his wins? Yeah. I, I'm a bad multitasker. I was doing <laughs> math in my head. I can't do both. Um, Taguchi, kind of disproving the long, you know, old adage, like, you know, don't count out big match Taguchi because this man is, you know, 500 right now. Yeah, not only that, like, his performances have just kind of Oh, my God. Been, it's, it's all about his ass. It's all about the ass with that man. Boom, boom. He's an ass man. Wow. Yeah, bro, it's bad. Um, That's the story they're telling, and I'm not here for it. You know, if I wanted this, I'd watch DDT. Like, fuck it, you know? Yeah. I don't like that. I'm not trying to see exposed asses. (laughs) Unless it's Peter. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't have much to say here. Like, Taguchi can still go and he can still wrestle, but they're doing this thing where every in every match. Well, the funny thing, okay, so he loses to Show, he loses to Bushi. Both of those matches, he's exposed. Correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't see him get exposed at all in the Yu Yamura match, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't recall him being exposed in that match. And he was talking uh, the night before, saying like, "When I fight the Young Line, I won't be exposed. He won't be exposed." So it's like. It's almost like he's been playing around the whole tournament and then finally realized, oh, shit, I'm about to lose this. I better do something. <laughs> and so it it will be interesting to see if he's going to go back to the exposing himself thing or if he's going to try and, like, squeak one out at the end here and try to get three wins. I don't think it's going to happen, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, let's take a look at, like, who he has left to yeah. see if it's, like, even possible. Uh, so let's see here. Um, watch, watch us. Uh, like build a path that we're like, oh my god, this man's gonna do it. <laughs> so on the second, he's facing Robbie Eagles, um, which Eagles is already out. Um, I'm not anticipating him winning that, but it is possible. Then on the fifth, he has a main event with uh, for Hiromu. Oh, um, he well, you know, he could play spoiler. That could be the upset right there. I mean, at this point, that's probably his most likely role is trying to play spoiler. And then he's got Doki on the final night. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that will be like the night where Doki gets his... Has Doki fought Yumura yet? No, that's coming up. Yeah, so uh, let's see. Doki will face Yumura on the second. You know, um, two of those three matches seem very winnable. Uh, I... I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, like, this man might still end up with, like... Ten points. Ten points. Maybe, I mean, at least he's going to get eight at least. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I don't know. I'm I'm just wondering. I think if uh, you know if this was say Yano and he had a shtick, obviously he's gonna stick with the shtick the whole tournament. But I think in this one they they're trying to have him turn a little corner and realize like, oh, I gotta. Ass are goofing off. Yeah. Plus he has, like you mentioned, um, Hiromu coming up, and that's an actual main event, and he always turns up for those big main events at the end of the tournament. So there will be one great. It hasn't happened yet, but there will be one great Taguchi match at least. Yeah. Like there always is. <laughs> yeah. So moving on to the Sniper of the Sky, Robbie Eagles. Kind of surprising here. With only four points, two wins, and four losses on the 23rd. Losing to Bushi on the 25th, losing to Taiji Ishimori, and then on the 28th, losing to Hiromu Takahashi. So eating three losses in a row this stretch. Yeah, interesting. He started off so promising. Um, they like to tell stories like that. Someone gets off to a hot start, they get stopped. I don't. I didn't think it would be Eagles necessarily, but I mean, you know, he hasn't been there all year. And you look at the guys that they're pushing in this tournament: Despy, Watto, Show. Those are kind of guys that they need to like be investing in. And I think Eagles is a guy that they can always heat up at any point whenever they need to. Like he's already got built-in goodwill based on just. How good he is, right? So yeah, it, yeah. Still, kind of, still kind of interesting that because uh, he's out, that he's out already, and you know he's you know one of the guys that everybody's kind of looking forward to in the tournament. Also, he's been one of the guys that's been having um, some of the best matches throughout the tournament. Um, but yeah, but like you said, yeah, he he can be heated up at at any point in time. Um, and also, we talked about that match of the twenty eighth with Hiromi, which was a, which an absolute banger. It seems to be everybody's you new. Know, Favorite match of the tournament thus far, um, showing you know he can hang with a guy like Hiromu in a main event uh, scenario. So, yeah, I agree. Um, I don't have much more to add to that. I, th- I think it's been great. Yeah, this one, definitely. You know, we've kind of talked about this. You know, he just completely night and day difference when he first came in. And he was part of the Bullet Club. Um, he, he's so much better as a babyface. I'm glad they did that switch. And yeah, I've been I've been digging Robbie Eagles ever since then. AEW News 1 asked us, do you think Robbie Eagles has had any five-star matches? I think he killed it and deserves it for his performances with Sho and Hiromu. Well, neither of those matches uh, I gave five stars to. Um, I think the the closest five-star match he probably has is the Osprey match from Showdown. In New Japan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that showed. Yeah, the the showdown match is awesome. Yeah, I can't remember if I get if I want the full five on that. I think I, I, I was a coward. I think I might have went four seven five. Coward uh, or accurate? Yeah, <laughs> let, let me see if I can. Let me pull up the old grapple app here. Let me see if I can. Listen, find that. I'm pretty sure that match was four and three quarter. Yeah, four and three quarters. But regardless, I mean, that was a match that was so freaking awesome when it happened, and uh, we were just like, yeah, no one is going to uh, <laughs> see this because it was on those Australia shows. Yeah, what was that What was that show called again? Southern Showdown in Melbourne. Um, Dave gave it four and three quarters. It's got 8.89 on cage match. It's his highest rated match on cage match, so. Oh, I actually went four and a half. Oh, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a uh, 4.48 uh, rating on Grapple. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't, I've never seen Robbie Eagles in a five-star match personally. Yeah. So 
great performer. I'm sure he can he can have a five star match in the right stage with the right opponent. Um, but just he hasn't quite hit that level yet. Let's go on to Doki. Zero points, six uh, losses, and he's eliminated. Um, he lost to Hiromu Takahashi November 23rd. Then he was defeated by Master Wato November 25th, and then El Desperado November 28th. Dude, Doki has been freaking awesome in this tournament, just having great performances every time he's out there. And I feel like, like we mentioned earlier, his whole story arc in this tournament, not just with Desperado, but the whole tournament has been him earning respect. And after every after every loss, you know, he, he gets his pipe and he, he struggles to the back and the crowd are clapping. And he's kind of getting these, like, you know, approval from the crowd and the crowd's, like, digging him and getting into the match and... He's been doing great. Like you mentioned, the Doki bomb, the Senton bomb off the top to the floor. Um, you know, the the Moonlight, or I keep calling it Moonlight, the Daybreak uh, DDT is great. You know, the, trying to get his Suplex Luna. He has a lot of great spots, a lot of that. Uh, I don't know what he calls it, but that, that's a mission where he has kind of like cross their um, It's interesting legs. because realistically what it looks like, it looks like an, a double arm bar. Like, yeah. it, like. If you think about it, he's got the arms stretched out, mm-hmm. and realistically, they're they're selling it like he's choking, choking them. Yeah, but it's not really a choke. It would be really hard to p- get enough leverage from the ground to pull someone in to push out to like choke them. Um, you would need something on the back of their head to pull them down, um, like a go go plata essentially. But it is a a shoot double arm bar because he's got the arms there over his thighs. And if he thrust his thighs out and pulled the arms down, he could break their arm from that position. I've seen it. Uh, not not someone get their arms broken, but I've seen someone pull this move, this that specific move off in actual MMA. Uh, there's a pride fight. I think one of the Gracies did it, uh, which is pretty crazy. But um, yeah, that's a legit move. But it's it's weird. I thought like when I saw, it, I marked. I was like, oh, it's got a double arm bar. And they're like, oh, he's choking him. And I was like, <laughs> I was like what? <laughs> okay, pro wrestling. But yeah, Doki's been awesome in this tournament. Just continues to improve and get better. And after this year, like I feel like he's earned his spot. Like he, this man does not need to be a replacement anymore. Like this man should be a guy that's locked and loaded for these tournaments. I liked one of the things I heard Kevin Kelly say while he's calling this match. He's like, he wrestles every night. Like if I don't do this to my body, they might fire me. Yeah, he's a. I'm not going back. All I'm not going back. <laughs> <laughs> Doki. Come come hell or high water. <laughs> he is not going back to them grimy Mexican indies. Yeah, when he's wrestling Despy, they're talking about um the English commentary is like these guys wrestled on a hill where where there was a decline. So you had to adjust because when you got whipped one way, you ran way faster, and then when you got whipped the other way, you're going uphill. And I was like, what the fuck? Like they wrestled like he said that they wrestled uh in like dirty like just on the ground, like in a in a dirt filled like barn where like chickens were fighting and shit. And I was like, "This is crazy." Yeah, I was so like, "This man, this, this man does not want to go back." This man is not about that life. He's <laughs> like, "I'm in the big leagues now." Uh, I know it was total kind of a, a fluke thing. Some injury got me here, but I'm here and I ain't going back. Listen, Doki, one of my lead candidates for, and I, I'm pretty sure I voted for him uh, at some point, but one of the leaders for most improved of the year for 2020. At the rate he's going, he's gonna like be a nominee or even the candidate to win in twenty twenty one. Yeah, even like even though he got nominated, like the way we do the most improved is like most improved from 
before, you know? Right. So, like, hypothetically, it doesn't matter that he's, like, a top nominee this year. And even if he won, the rate that they're pushing him and the rate that the opportunities they're giving him and the way he's maximizing them, I could see him, like, literally being a candidate or even winning next year. Yeah, and one interesting thing with the Desperado match that we didn't talk about when we were talking about Despy after the match, um, there was kind of a look of Despy, almost like a look of approval. He was, also, he held like the junior tag title, it was like respect. He held the junior tag title up to him, which makes me think. Like, last week we kind of joked about you know Freebird rules and Despy teaming with Doki. I wonder if that was kind of a tease of Kanemaru's not ready. I'm about it that uh, Despy and Doki will be a team. I'm about it. Raising Falcons asks, Doki was impressed, has impressed me so much this tournament that if he only gets two points, I will be incredibly sad. If he manages to somehow lose to the young line, I might have to jump from the roof of my house head first. Well, Raising Falcons, please don't do that. <laughs> it's not a smart thing to do. It's not, not that serious, man. <laughs> uh, we're, that's, we're that's someone who is about that life right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Doki... Um, yeah, he's awesome, and yeah, no, no, no need to jump off the roof for Doki, but uh, yeah, he definitely. I wish he would be getting more than two points, but I feel like Yamura is going to be the only guy that he ends up getting the win over. Listen, at the end of the day, it really just comes down to um, the booking, and like, if this is leading to future opportunities and the growth of his character, I'm okay with the slow build, you know. Sometimes sometimes they're too slow in the cases of guys like Show, you know, and sporadic. But lately with Doki, it hasn't really been a sporadic story. It's been a steady, long-form story, which is what I kind of dig. It reminds me of, like, Juice when he first came in. Mm, yeah. So I'm all about it. Like, if he only gets a mitochem or a measure of, a, you know, success, but that leads to something down the road... I mean, he's clearly showing what he can do with the ring, and it's pretty great, man. This is the great. This is the best ahead that I've ever had. Because, <laughs> yeah. like last year, I was like, I don't know, this guy's kind of raw. You guys are, er- er- everyone's down on this guy, but like, and oh, and how about this? Now that we're talking about it, Doki, new gear almost every night. He's got the red. He's got the, the white. Gold. He's got the gold. <laughs> this man busting it out. That's because he's getting that. Uh, that that. Actually, I was gonna say May money, but there's yeah. no May. <laughs> He's getting that uh, Takami Obari. He's getting that Obari money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. So last but not least, here we have the young lion Yuyumura. Also zero wins and six losses, so he's also out of this tournament. No way he can come back. On the 23rd, he lost to Ishimori. On the 25th, he lost to Romu, and then on the 28th, he lost to Rizketaguchi. Once again, Yamura just showing great fire, making the most of his opportunities, you know, not backing down like you mentioned when he was like slapping Ishimori. Um, you know, he's really taking it to the, these veteran guys, also, you know, getting some great near falls off of his. Um, There's one of these matches where he actually hit the overhead belly to belly on somebody and, and got a near fall off of it. Um, but yeah, looking, he, look, looking real good here. I'm wondering, will Doki and Yamura. When they fight, go to a 30-minute draw and both get one point. Mm. (laughs) It could happen. No, I'm just joking. But with Doki, Doki's definitely getting at least probably, I'm guessing, but probably he's going to beat Yumura. Unless that's Yumura's one win. But this seems so mean. Yeah, nah. Like, usually when the young lion, if they give the young lion the one win, it's usually against someone who at least has some points. 
So it would be fucked up to do it against Doki. <laughs> yeah, nah. Yumori needs to eat this uh, suplex de Luna. But if Doki beats him, right? Any chance Doki rebounds on like the final night and beats Taguchi and winds up with four points? I mean, it's possible. I mean, why? I'm sure at that point, it depends on how Taguchi does the other two nights. Cause, I mean, at that, at that point, Taguchi could be out, so why not have Doki beat him? All right. I'm going to put some money on that, and I want a parlay. <laughs> I don't know what a, I, I was watching a movie, and they were talking about betting and talking about parlays. I don't know what it is, but I want one. <laughs> um, Yuya Yamura. Um, fucking great, man. Just so good. Um, every match has gotten better until the Taguchi match, but prior to that, every match was getting better. <laughs> yeah, and also, too, then we mentioned it, that that great arm, uh, arm drag he's doing into the arm bar, arm lock kind of thing that he's doing has been great. I liked the Hiromu match a little bit better, but the Ishimori match was just so awesome. There was even a point where it looked like, okay, he's in the finish. Ishimori's rolling out of it. It's gonna, and then he's gonna tap him, just like any standard match. But then Yumura like countered out of it and put him into a straight armbar, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, he, he had the, it was, it was a full armbar. Like he had it like locked in. Yeah. Do you want to know the secret of the armbar? Yes, tell me. Expose the business. Okay, I'll expose the business. When a real armbar is being done, the thumb is up. Mm. When the thumb is up, that's where, like, you can, because your your elbow can't. When they do it, they do it with the wrist up Mm. or, or like, this, one way or the other. If if the thumb is not up, it's not a real armbar. I mean, I guess you could hypothetically do it, but, like, anybody that does jujitsu, they're going to put the thumb up. If you don't see the thumb up, and that's pretty much always... It's pretty safe. <laughs> Man, expo- exposing the business out here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that match was awesome. The um, the Hiromu match was really great. Hiromu was talking about how Yumura is finally, like, becoming very interesting for him. And um, I think one of the things, they're all making comments about how Yumura is already there. They're like, why is he a young lion? He's right. got black. Black, you know, he's got some uh, black uh, trunks on. They call him a lion. He's like, other than that, he's ready. He's like, oh, he didn't go on an excursion. Oh, okay. He's like, but I don't. He's like, I don't even really see him as a young lion anymore. He's not really even that young to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> Although, like, I'm like, well, the fact he's zero and six might tell you something. But right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we did have a question here from Kevin Crawford. He says, I really liked the Yumura Ishimori match for what it was. Yumura pushed him to the limit and felt like Ishimori was more invested than he has been in this tour. Will Yumura use that armbar lock as a finish whenever he graduates? I think Ishimori did a great job selling and make it look believable as a way for the young lion to win. I love the armbar as a finish just in general. I mean, Anoki used it all the time. We Recently, Rocky Romero was using it. We've seen Alberto Del Rio use it. Lots of people. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he will use it when he graduates. We, we, we kind of see, you know, like Kawato was using the Trouble in Paradise, and he, he doesn't use it as a finish. It's kind of one of his signature setups for his finish. So maybe whenever Yumura graduates, that arm bar lock will be like one of his signatures. Maybe maybe it'll be his finish. We, we just never know. It just all depends on what his gimmick and the style of wrestling he'll be doing. Um, I think that's gonna do it though for Yumura. I don't. I mean, we don't really have any more insights. He's been awesome, and he's not gonna win any matches most likely. Yeah. Um. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, but great opportunity for him with you know Kanemaru. Being injured, a great way for him to get some more match time, get some more experience with some of these junior guys. and Yeah, they're giving him the Narita special. Yeah. 
Uh, DomHomie101 asked us some questions. He said, is it me or does it feel like the junior division needs more heels, more heat? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, I mean, they got Ishimori. Despy. They got Despy. Got Doki. Doki. They got Kanemaru. That's four right there. Got ELP. That's five. I mean, it seems like they got quite a few. I think what they got a star problem. That's the problem. Right. There's no, like, star. Like, I guess, I guess you would say, would you say, like, Desperado is the top, like, money heel, I guess? It's probably ELP. Right. It probably, like, if, if we're just talking overall, it probably is El Fantasmo. But, um, you know, that the problem is the juniors have just been so de-emphasized this year due to the COVID situation. And then, you know, there's already some problematic booking just always in, in general. And then you had two huge stars in Osprey and Chingo leaving the division. Correct. Yeah. Um, so that, that stuff all kind of equals to where they're at now. Now, can they rebuild and like have something good going forward? Absolutely. You know, I'm mean, it's not all, all doom and gloom, but, uh, they got quite a few heels. I think the problem is that there's just not a compelling heel right now. Ishimori felt really compelling when he first came right, out. Right, initially, yeah. But right now, he doesn't. Uh, he also asked, other than Hiromu, Ishimori, and maybe ELP, who are the other juniors that could break through? Um, I, I mean, I'm not sure what breakthrough even really means. I feel like Hiromu, to a certain degree, has broken through. But, you know, if we're just talking about, like, being a star... Because that's what I'm guessing he's talking about. I, I think so, yeah. But I think... Or maybe getting to that main event level, maybe junior title match at the, at the dome level. Well, as long as you're a junior in this company, there's going to be a ceiling on that. That's, I mean, it's, a, it's better than almost anywhere else in the world, but there's still a, a ceiling. So let's just assume he's talking about being a, a big star in the junior division. I think Hiromu is pretty much there, but I think he has more that he... that There's more juice to tap, you know? Mm-hmm. Out of him, um, I mentioned show. I, th- I think show is just right on the cusp of getting ready to kind of break out and be a big single star. Yeah, I think show for sure. Um, yeah, and I think show's like the one other guy I would really like say for sure. I think Desperado kind of, but it's like he's been there for a long time. They're starting to kind of go with him, but he kind of feels like an upper mid card heel. Yeah, junior. I mean, he's never won a tournament. He's never won the title. He's not. Ne- I mean, he's challenged for it a couple, a handful of times. I don't know, you know. But could he? Like, yeah, I think if they did more with him, I think he's been having a great accounting of himself, and apparently he's a great promo. I, I think there could be some stuff lost in translation. But Ishimori talks about how he, how Desperado is this incredible promo. Mm-hmm. Every night, so I'm just assuming by inference that that means he is, in fact, a good promo. I mean, from the few backstage comments I've seen, Desperado, just in general, not in this specific tournament, he's always, you know, kind of, you know spitting that fire and burying people. <laughs> kind of, but at the same time, it's like, you know, when I watch uh, Hiromu, I mean, I don't even have to, I could watch it in Japanese, I don't know what he's saying, but he's just electric. He captures you. Yeah, he captures you, and there's not very many other juniors like that. Um, I don't see anyone really, other than show that to me, Feels like they could be the guy. Yeah. Show feels like he could, but sometimes they don't. He doesn't. I don't know. It's weird. Well, his next question, he says, "What what do you guys like? Show Yo, Robbie Eagles, Ellis Perado, Doki, and Master Watto need to do to get to that next level?" 
Uh, well, it starts with dedication. So more Hindu squats showing up to all practices. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, honestly, like they're all working at, at, at a top level. Um, I, I think they just need to be given more opportunity. I think, you know, this super juniors is weird because like half full crowd, there's no foreigners, it's guardrails, it's December. It's the time when people like kind of take it easy. It's the holiday season. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I think if it were in a, a regular spring, but Super Juniors, maybe show would be kind of standing out a little bit more, breaking out a little bit more, and maybe, you know, Robbie Eagles and Despy and guys like that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, all, all those guys are just kind of right on, on the cusp of being special. I mean, with Eagles, like you mentioned, he's a guy you can, you can heat up easily. We, we, we've seen him pin Hiromu in a multi-man match, and that was clearly a potential title match that they were – teasing down the line with those two guys. And so he's a guy that you can easily kind of be your top guys in junior of the division. You know, since he mentioned it, Yo's the other guy I think could really break out. Uh, not in the same way as show. And I'm not even saying it's more or less. I'm just saying, I feel like when they do break up, it'll be very divergent paths. But um, I think he could also, I think he has a lot of charisma. I think he's got a ton of charisma and could definitely be like a, a, a star too. Yeah. Watto, I, I still, this, this gimmick, I don't think he's going to be able to really get to the next level with this gimmick and the way that he's been wrestling. Well, I disagree. Um, I know that the gimmick wasn't, like, initially received well, but it's like if he was having raw-ass matches... and, and It wouldn't cutting, matter. It yeah. wouldn't matter, and if he's cutting really good promos, how many weird gimmicks have gotten over in Japan over the years? I mean, a ton. Like, that stuff is really... It is important, and you want to look cool. It is a cosmetic business, but it's like... There's more to it than just that. And, like, he's not making the cut right now. And it's because, like, he's not connecting emotionally. There's a confidence issue. The work is sloppy. There's things missing. And it's not just blue hair and blue pants. Yeah. It's one of those things. I don't feel like the, you know, Master Watto is Kawato turned up to 10. <laughs> no. <laughs> so uh, maybe he's, he's just having trouble. It's kind of. Being, being um, you know, a, a grandmaster. Should I wrestle as Master Joshua? <laughs> master Smith? <laughs> um, uh, Dan asked us, which best of the Super Juniors matches brought you guys the most joy? I would like to say Dan is a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say the match that has brought what's, me. What's the match you've liked the most? The match that I've liked the most. Uh, no need repeating what he said. <laughs> um, Eagles and uh, Hiromu. I liked Doki and Hiromu the best. As far as just like preference. Mm -hmm. I thought the match ruled. Nice. Well, let's shift gears now to World Tag League. So we'll start on the top of the block here with the leaders, Tomohiro Ishii and Toriyano. They have 10 points right now. The only team with 10 points, they're 5-2. They defeated G.O.D. on the 24th. They defeated the Empire on the 28th. And then on the 30th, they defeated Hinar Ace. So just peeled off three wins in a row here. Um, It feels like Yano's winning all the matches with low blows and roll-ups. Is that correct? Pretty much, yeah. It didn't used to be that way. It kind of used to be like... Well, their their combo finisher was always the lariat into the schoolboy. Yeah. But sometimes, like, 
Yano would win. Sometimes Ishii would win. Sometimes it would be a combo or whatever. Or, you know, a sequence that led to a low blow. But, like, lately it's just kind of all been Yano. It feels like Ishii's just kind of there. Uh, I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah. This is generally... I've, I see a lot of people actually com- online complaining about this pairing because they're like, you know, they're two guys that feel like they're singles just thrown together. They have nothing in common. They're not playing off each other. They're just, like, occupying, occupying the same space. And it's like, that's true, but no one was really complaining about that three years ago or two years ago or last year, it's only suddenly now. And I'm wondering what has changed that's really causing people to be so concerned about, you know, Ishii basically. Well, I think it's dome season. And once again, Ishii just had another phenomenal year. And I think people are maybe just fed up and frustrated kind of where he's at and want him to do something else and to be in some kind of tag match or gauntlet. It could be that, but I don't think it is. You want to know what I think it is? What? People get tired of the Yano shtick, and it when it's hidden within this tag team with Ishii working really hard and then Yano being pulled up, usually people like the tag team. Like, we, in years past, I would usually say they're one of the, like, top two or three best tag teams in the whole tournament. This year, it really hasn't been the case. They're having little to no actual, like, really great matches, um, and all and all the matches that they're winning are just based off of Janoschik, and I think that's what's really happening. Yeah, and a lot of their matches, especially this week, didn't really get a ton of time. You know, you got you got twelve minutes, thirteen minutes, thirteen minutes. They weren't really given you know any kind of main event time here. So maybe that's another reason why it's you know you're not getting that that full on kind of ishi that you're used to. But I will say I really enjoyed on the thirtieth um, against Hanar Ace um, Ishi and Tanahashi together. You know, very, you know, signs of the, the recommended match of the week a couple weeks ago from Power Struggle. It's great seeing those guys mix it up. And then um, Hanare and Ishii, they have a, a long rivalry. Um, so those great for that to kind of get reignited here. And their sequences were great as well in the match. Yeah. Um, did you think that based on the stare down post-match that it seemed like maybe we're getting something between Tanahashi and Ishii going forward? Yeah, inter- I see a lot of people were, were kind of screen ga- uh, screen grabbing, screen capturing that of Ishii kind of staring at uh, Tanahashi after they won. He's walking to the back. And, I mean, that obviously that, that will be an amazing match. But I just feel like how do you, do you really just build a Tanahashi match off of just like a small interaction in the World Tag League? Well, I mean, it wasn't a small interaction, but the first night people were like, oh, they're doing... Okan and uh, Tanahashi. Tanahashi for sure. And I was like, well, you know, let's not jump the gun. Let's wait. But um, I don't think it was leading to anything. You know what I think it was? I think Ishii just need to let a bitch know. <laughs> Recognize. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just staring down like, yo, this is my yard. We just beat you. Don't come into the big dog's yard. You're supposed to be the ace? Nah. You're supposed on, to be the ace? On the ace. Nah. The Roman Empire. <laughs> but uh, uh, Ishii, the uh, head of the table. He's the head of the table, yes. Mm. So, uh, you know, that match would fucking rule. Ishii and Roman? I, You know, and I, you know, I think Roman Reigns is not really that good a wrestler, but I bet you, I bet you anything, him and Ishii, like if I were to do a fantasy card, I would throw that on there, and it's like, one, you never think you want to see it, but once you hear it, Cause I've never thought about it until you like until this moment, and I was like, "Damn, 
Like Roman Reigns against Ishii would fucking bang. Big dog versus Stone Pitbull. Yeah, bro. The dog fight. The marketing is right there, <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, we did have a question here from Ready to Just a Little Bear Zero One. How excited were you when the KOPW trophy was destroyed? And how sad were you when they repaired it? So uh, Tangaloa, after uh, they lost to Ishii and Yano, he was frustrated and broke the KOPW trophy. But uh, they, they taped it back up together. I imagine that when they bought those trophies, they got like a case of them because they're so cheap. They're like, you know what? You can, like they, they probably were like, you can have one really nice trophy or for a fraction of the price, we'll give you 10 really shitty looking cheap <laughs> trophies. And they're like, we'll, we'll take the 10. <laughs> it's a pandemic. We'll, we'll take the 10. No, I think they're just like, we're giving it to Yano. Who knows what the fuck's going to happen? We'll take the 10. We'll take the case. <laughs> the case of, of, of the really cheap plastic ones. Like, all right. And that's that's how. Yeah, when the, the trophy broke, I, I was just like, oh, man. this is." Oh, I was so relieved. Was like, like, yeah, little, that, that's the end of it. Right, so what we've been talking about. Like, it's going to break, it's gonna, and it's going to go away. Uh, but no, Yano taped it, uh, taped it back up here. So... Yeah, so I think we were relieved, and then, you know, the despair came back. <laughs> um, Juice, after that, we got uh, next in line, Juice Robinson, Dave Finley, Finn Juice. They are sitting at eight points, four wins, and three losses on November 24th. They lost to the Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Folly and Chase Owens. On November 28th, they rebounded by defeating the LIJ team of Sonata and Shingo Takagi. And on November 30th, they defeated the IWGP heavyweight tag team champions, the Dangerous Techers. Yeah, uh, a series of wins here. Well, they lost to Folly and Chase, which was kind of an upset there, but then, yeah, bouncing back on 28th and 30th. And yeah, Finjus have, have been a solid team here. I really enjoyed uh, the matchup with uh, Sonata and Shingo, Shingo. And also, that's really, one of the best matches of the tournament. Yeah, and also, I enjoyed their, their main event matchup here, most recently against the Dangerous Techers, kind of a big. A moment there in Cork and Hall, uh, again, the big uh, win there over the champions and Juice, you know, learning his Japanese, kind of cutting the, the post-match promo there for the team, getting the, the crowd all fired up behind Finn Juice. Uh, I think David Finley has been looking really good um, in this tournament as well. They've been getting a lot of heat on Finley um, in these matches and kind of uh, make the hot tag to, to Juice, but... I think overall, we already talked about kind of how the better shape that he's gotten in, and I think he's gotten better with his promos. I think he's um, he's better in ring, and overall, yeah, I think Finjuice has been really solid here. Yeah, and it feels almost like there's like last year we were like when they won this tournament, we we're like it feels like they're giving shine to Dave. This year kind of feels the same for some reason. Like, um, not th- I mean they're emphasizing both guys and they're both wrestling really well. I, I mean, I kind of wish. Like, Juice would have wrestled like this in the G1. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, he's putting forth a really great effort. I mean, I'm not ready to say Finn Juice are my MVPs of this tournament, but they're up there. They kind of remind me of, like, how I used to view, like, best friends in the same tournament. They kind of mm. facilitate that role. Like, they can have a good match with almost anybody any good on any given night, and oftentimes they're having some of the best matches of the tournament. Um, so they're always good to great. And then, you know, they're also, you know, sitting right at the, at the top here. And it's kind of been precarious because going into the 24th, they were like, what, two and one and then, or two and two. And then they went two and three and it was like, they had a losing record and then they, 
rebounded by picking up these two wins. Now they're back at eight points, but like for the early part of the tournament, they were taking losses. So sort of like a redemption story there a little bit. Yeah, especially being last year's champions, you think they should come in and kind of start off hot here. But yeah, kind of a, a slow burn buildup uh, for Finn Juice here. Juice cut a promo, and he was like, "We are the best motherfucking tag team, not only in this tournament, but we're the best fucking tag team." And then I thought he was gonna say like in the world, and he was like, "In all of New Japan," <laughs> and I was like, "Bro." All the tag teams in New Japan are, are in, in this, this tournament. What are you talking about? And and then he was like, it's time we started acting like it. <laughs> and I, I thought he was like, I thought this man was going to like take his nuts, put them on the table and say blow and be like, we are the best tag team in the world. Yeah. FTR, <laughs> Young Bucks, <laughs> Sasha and Bailey. <laughs> but um, no, um. But yeah, they've been really good. Uh, and, uh, big big moment for Finley. Yes, on, that's what I was gonna mention. On the twenty eighth, he pinned the never open weight champion Shingo Takagi. Very interesting because it feels like Sonata had been eating a lot of the pinfalls for the Lij team. So Shingo losing a fall here and losing to David Finley, who's a guy that doesn't typically get the singles push. And we have a question here from Asayo Jimbo says, uh, "Finley pinned Shingo. Do you think he'll get a chance to challenge for the never title soon? This is, of course, if." If Shingo retains Super Wrestle Kingdom against probably Suzuki, um, I mean, I would assume if there was a title challenge that was born out of this tournament, uh, it's gonna be on Wrestle Kingdom because I don't see. I mean, it's not like Takagi's not talking about Suzuki. Suzuki's not talking about Takagi. I mean, unless they build something up in the road to Tokyo Dome, there's no reason to believe at this point that. Suzuki's getting another title match at the Tokyo Dome right now. Right. I mean, the, the only way I see Finley getting a shot before uh, Tokyo Dome, yeah, if, if it's on the road to Tokyo Dome tour, you do one of the main events, Shingo defends, and then you can set up an angle post-match where whoever Shingo's going to face at Wrestle Kingdom kind of comes out and challenges him there. Well, I don't think, personally, I don't think Dave Finley's getting a, a, a title shot at all. But if he did, it would be at Wrestle Kingdom is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And you could have a little interesting story there, like Finley's getting a never title shot, and then also the title match is like Techers versus LIJ versus Finn Juice in a three way. So like those guys are kind of interacting in both of the title matches. Well, here let me kind of explain why I'm pretty certain that they're, they're not doing a title match. I could be wrong, but it's just like he got the pinfall, but he didn't do it alone. I mean, yes, he hit the uh, acid drop, but what led to that? It was. Left hand of God. Left hand of God into the cutter, into the pulp friction, into... Had to hit, like, five finishers on yeah, this man. Yeah, they hit so many fucking finishers on him. There's no reason for me to... Even though, like, yeah, the legal man pinned him, it, 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 it was basically two guys beating him up. And he even said that in, in the backstage. He, he didn't be like, Dave, you really got me. Maybe you should come for this belt. He was like, nah. He was like... Y'all fucking double team me. <laughs> he was like, y'all broke that ten second, that five second count. That's not a rule in New Japan. I know. I, I have a feeling that's not an actual rule in New Japan. I think they're just like they. I think they just tell the referees like, just count, just call it whatever, <laughs> whatever feels right to you. You know. Um. So yeah, there's no reason based off that. It didn't seem to me at all like I thought Finley was getting a 
never title shot. The only reason I think people are looking for it, and I was looking for it too, is because we don't have anything in line for Shingo for Wrestle Kingdom. So I think we're all kind of looking and searching for what who's who's it going to be. But like that scenario, that booking just didn't make sense to me personally. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm thinking. I, I think that it, that will play nothing into it. Yeah. Well, we might not find out who Shingo's facing maybe until the finals or some somewhere on the, the Royal Tokyo Dome. And we'll see. So the next team that's also at eight points, four wins and three losses, is the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga and Tangaloa. On the 24th, they lost to Ishii and Yano, like we mentioned. On the 28th, they lost to Goto and Yoshihashi. And then on the 30th, they defeated Los Ingobernables de Japón of Sonata and Shingo. This will sound mean, but they're kind of the bushi of this tournament. <laughs> <laughs> they're just not pushed like him. Like, um, I, I, their matches haven't been great. Like, they've just been okay. They're good. They're like three star affairs for the most part, maybe a little higher than that. And that's about it. Like, yeah, Tangaloas look good. Tam is entertaining. They're a package. I enjoy the package, but I got to be fair and tell you, like, the matches really aren't anything great. Yeah. Again, kind of your, your gentleman three stuff here. Uh, Tangaloa, like I've mentioned in the past couple of weeks, I've kind of kept my eye on him. He's been doing some interesting stuff. Um, just the way that he's been moving around the ring. I like, the, I don't know, I feel like his selling is getting better and, Kind of, you know, his spots with Ishii was was really good. The kind of exchanges that they were having there, but yeah, overall, nothing blow away. Nothing that you need to, you know, run out of your way to watch from from these series of matches here. Yeah, one interesting thing is like I'm noticing a lot of great the teams that are having the higher end matches in this tournament when they fight God, they're not having those higher end matches with them for whatever reason. I still got God to win this. Personally, I mean, um, we talked about the last tournament being super parody based. This one's even more so. There's a lot of people tied right now. So anything can happen. Anything can be opened up. But uh, I I feel, I feel still feel like G.O.D. makes the most sense, although I'm not as uh, confident about it as I was like a week or two ago. <laughs> yeah, one can mention four and three. They're tied uh, second place here for several other teams. They're still alive. Um, still plenty of time for them to get the wins needed to get to the finals. Well, one of those alive teams, let's talk about the LIJ team of Shingo Takagi and Sonata. Um, November 24th, they defeated the Chaos team of Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. Big win. On November 28th, they were defeated by Finjuice, as we discussed. And then November 30th, they were defeated by Gorillas of Destiny. So back-to-back losses after leading for the early part of the tournament. Yeah, kind of a bump in the road there for LIJ uh, Sonata and his uh, TKG. But uh, look, we mentioned the Finjuice match would probably be the one out of these to kind of go out of your way to watch uh, from this series. Um, I I like the team of Shingo Sonata. Uh, I think they work really well together. Uh, and, and it's Shingo. What, no matter, he's kind of like Ishii, like we mentioned last week. No matter what situation you put those guys in, they're always going to perform and, and be top performers and bring some, you know, energy and excitement to matches. We may be looking at the MVPs of the tournament. Um, I kind of think it's mostly between them and the Dangerous Techers still, but they've definitely had like two of the more, like two of the highest peaking matches of the tournament, and they're consistently really great 
early on when I first saw this team up, um, I kind of thought like I still liked Sonata and Evil better as a team just because there's some matches that Sonata and Evil had that were really, really great that I remember, you know, mm-hmm. that are much better than anything that Sonata and Shingo have done so far in the short time they've been together. But then I've been watching them throughout the tournament, and I've been thinking, you know what? They're better in the tournament than Evil and Sonata were because what would Evil and Sonata do? They would, like, have a first, a really good first night, fuck off the most of the tournament, and then, like, the last night or two. Then it's, yeah, bangers the last Then they'd have bangers. And so, like, they were always, like, sandbagging most of the tournament. But, like, Shingo's going so fucking hard, and Sonata's also going hard to, like, keep up with him. He's, like, making Sonata be better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, for that reason, I think I might actually like this. T- even though the team hasn't, like, they haven't had the classics that Evil and Sonata had yet, I might end up liking this team better. Yeah, yeah. I think they're they're a solid team. And, you know, it could be a situation here where, let's say these guys win, but you also, you get, you get Shingo defending against Sonata on one night, and then they're in the tag title match the next night. Uh, I mean, they don't do a lot of, like... Inter, I mean, you know, I don't yeah. know why I'm telling you. <laughs> For those of you listening, they don't do a lot of inter uh, faction faction title, you know, challenges, things like that. But uh, I mean, Lij is a little non traditional, so that's possible. I I don't see it. Shingo did say though that you know in kayfabe uh, during I think it was one of the like Tokyo Sport interviews. He said that they're going, or maybe it was on New Japan's website, but he said that. He wants to defend the Never title one night. Right, and Tag Tiles next night. Yeah, yeah. the Tag Tiles next night. So, um, I mean, they're alive, and they could do it. They're a very formidable team. They're doing really well so far. And um, I don't think that New Japan's tag division is revitalized at all. And I'm not really, personally, just being candid, really enjoying this tournament very much (laughs) with the format. But um, I do got to say that they are doing a really good job, like... I don't know. They're, they're, they're doing a really good job making these teams seem like they matter for the time being. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's a single block format like it's been the last couple of years, yeah, I think maybe with, with less teams here um, and with only five matches a night, I think it's de- definitely been probably a little bit more easier to watch than maybe the last couple of years. Oh, um, it looks like... <laughs> Kind of behind the cor- curtains, it looks like one of the larger Facebook group moderators that I'd messaged just hit us up and wants us to uh, post the year-end awards on their site and uh, work with them. So nice, sounds good. Yeah, be, be waiting on that. <laughs> get your get your votes in. Um, so yeah, so let's move on to another team that's also at eight points, four wins and three losses, and that would be the current IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions top. Contenders for tag team of the year, the dangerous techers, Tai Chi and Zach Saber Jr. On the 24th, the Techers defeated the Empire. On the 28th, they defeated Evil and Yujiro. And then on the 30th, they lost to Finjuice. Um, out of this run here, um, besides the Finjuice match that we talked about, also really liked the Evil and Yujiro match, believe it or not. And it was very reminiscent to the Evil Saber match from this year's G1. You, yeah, the, the Techers were actually like the babyfaces. 
in this match with Evil and Yujiro kind of getting the heat on both of those guys, especially, you know, getting the heat on Zack a lot throughout this match. And then Zack and Taichi had to kind of rally back and come back together to uh, defeat the Bullet Club. Yeah, I've really enjoyed Zack and Taichi working as a, like, quasi-tweener slash, you know, babyface sort of role in some of these matches. Um, you compared it to the evil Zack match from G1. Yeah. Yeah. I had those exact same feels. Uh, so you kind of stole my analogy from me, <laughs> but I think anyone that's paying attention probably had the same feelings. So, um, surprisingly Tai Chi works really well in that role too. It's not just Zach, although Zach's sort of the Ricky Morton in those matches. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. And they're also in a similar scenario when they faced off against the Empire. Yes. On the 24th against Okan and Cobb. The Okan and Cobb were definitely more more of the heels in that match than um, Saber and Taichi were kind of kind of fighting from underneath. Yeah, and I have no illusions to think that they're going to go heel. Or, I'm sorry, they're already heel to go babyface. But, uh, you know, maybe down the road, if they wanted to put them... You know, some of these champions, they will put them in um, title you know, scenarios where they are up against a big heel team and they've got to kind of, like, float in between. Uh, I remember Okada having to do that, you know, from time to time early on. Um, So it's kind of cool to see that they can work that style. But if they ever did decide to go babyface, they have that option. They're very versatile as workers. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm kind of torn because I still think Taichi and Zach might be my MVPs of the tournament um, with how good they're, they're working. But it's like, I think Shingo and Sonata are more consistently having better matches. Yeah, that, that it's, might, it's weird. Yeah, because I feel like some of the dangerous tickets match. It sometimes it takes them a little bit too long to get going. Like when the, when they're the heel, sometimes they're spending like their heat segments are sometimes a little bit too long until they get to that build to that spot where like you know Taichi's ripping the pants off and then the action's really picking up. Where you have Shingo and Sonata is kind of like go 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 uh, from the get go. So we had a question here from Reddit user PSAN91. Uh, says, what do you think ZSJ is doing in the back when Taichi's entrance is going on? It's twice now that Taichi has been jumped before the bell during his entrance. You think they would have learned their lesson after the first time it happened? Yeah, you would think that they would have figured this out by now. I noticed that. Uh, the first time it happened, I was like, oh, that was pretty inventive. I was kind of wondering, I was like, that's that's one of the funny things. Why don't they have a joint song or come out to one Thing like they have a, a tag name. I think um, did Karen bring this up a few weeks ago on our show? Uh, she might have. Someone someone mentioned it recently. I don't know who it was, but they mentioned like you know the one thing this team doesn't have. They don't come out together. You know, everything else about them seems like completely a cohesive team, but they don't come out together. But uh, you know, these heels taking advantage of that has been pretty cool and inventive. The first time they did it, great. The second time, I was like. It was still cool, and I'm sure for the live crowd it was cool, but for us viewing at home who are keeping up, I was like, why the fuck didn't he walk out with him? <laughs> you you should have learned. And he's way back there. Like, Tai Chi's already, like, yeah, in the ring singing, and Saber still hasn't even walked out yet. Well, bro, because Saber comes out to his own music. No, he still comes, he comes out to Tai Chi's music. He just... Oh, okay, yeah, you're right. I See, I was thinking that they were coming out to two different songs. No. Like, yeah. They're just making their own separate entrances. Yeah. I don't know. It's stylistic choice. Don't judge their life choices. No, yeah. Um, maybe not to like take away from the spotlight as Tai Chi can like perform for the crowd and you know showcase his talents. Yeah, being a being humble man there. <laughs> I don't know, man. 
Uh, next question from Reddit user DomHomie101 He says So are Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. The most underrated team in wrestling today? Yeah probably Yeah I see a lot of people out there Who really don't like Dangerous Techers I think that The viewership of New Japan At least stateside has really gone down I think any team that's great In New Japan that's not like You know Known in America Is gonna be you know it's like oh they're in New Japan you know they don't have a tag division Yada yada um, They're gonna be looked down on especially in light of like The tag team renaissance going on In say like AEW right now um, And then the elitism Of those who like WWE like you ever try to have a Conversation with a fan that really likes New Day or really really likes uh, Usos. The Usos Like they're apparently the two greatest tag teams that have ever existed, not just in WWF, but like any anywhere <laughs> in the world. Although there's not a lot to back that up. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Um I would say they're the most underrated tag team. Did they place in the uh PWI 500 or f- 50 for the tags? Uh I never saw the full list. I think I only saw like at the top 5 or top 10. I wonder um, where they placed if any New Japan teams placed in that thing. I think I'm pretty sure they did play, so I'm not sure how where they finished on that. I don't know. They, who knows? Maybe people do appreciate them the equal amount that they need that they deserve. I'm just I'm pretty disconnected from that sort of stuff. Let's see, let's see if we can pull up the old PWI listing here. I it's hard to find that. I mean, I tried to pull it up and I could only find the top five. Uh, oh, see, I found the full list here. No one had leaked it yet. Somebody, somebody leaked it here. Let's see if uh, Dangerous Techers are on here anywhere. G.O.D. is number six. See, and that's what I was thinking. G.O.D. shouldn't be higher than right now anyways. For the, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the voting period is. Maybe I'm talking out of turn. But, like, it feels like G.O.D. shouldn't be higher right now than Techers. Yeah, uh, Rapungi 3K is at 10. What? <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, Finn Juice twenty one, I think they go half year to half year. So maybe this would maybe that does make sense. Yeah. I don't know. Golden Ace is twenty three. Oh fuck no, bro! They got all those dangerous techers thirty. <gasps> that is ludicrous. <laughs> that is preposterous. And I I could shape very well. You know what? We'll let it play out in our awards for the people that actually watch this shit. You gotta be kidding me. That is that is bogus. Oh man. Let's move on to yet another team that's at eight points. What? Another team with eight points? Four wins and three losses. That's the Chaos team. Two-thirds of the never openweight six-man champions, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. On the 24th, they lost to LIJ. On the 28th, they defeated G.O.D. And on the 30th, they defeated Fale and Chase. So picking up some momentum there. I've been a little bored with this team, but they're still very solid. Um, I've noticed most of the matches, most of the story is still playing into showcasing and spotlighting Yoshihashi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yoshihashi still, I think he's having kind of, honestly, I think he's been kind of like the standout of the team here. Um, You know, typically you, you think Hiroki Goto and just kind of the great matches he's had in the past and just how... 
you know, great worker he can be, you would think that he the spotlight would maybe be on him or maybe he would be the kind of the key of the team here. But to me, yeah, I still feel like I guess there's it's just part of the story they're telling right now with Yoshihashi's kind of resurgence and coming off of that great G one and the never six man title wins. Um, yeah, he's been kind of the standout of the team and definitely a lot of the focus on the matches are on him. Yeah, and I do agree with that. And I don't even think that's necessarily a bad thing. I, I think Goto's probably like Fuck, I want to try hard for a World Tag League for it, you know? Right. <laughs> so, um, and and the I there was a point I was trying to make earlier, and basically what it was is, like, even though they don't have a strong, like, fully formed, developed tag team division, in this tournament they've done a good enough job with this parity booking to make it believable that most of these teams could hypothetically win the tournament, which doesn't always seem to be the case, you know? Like, there's been plenty of tournaments where, like, guys, like, have a good amount of points, but we kind of just know they're not going to win. Right. But, like, I could see Goto and Yoshihashi winning based on how things have gone. I could see Dangerous Techers winning. I could see LIJ, G.O.D., Finjuice, all of them, literally, like, so far. Um, And maybe that's good and bad because on the good side of it, it's, like, they're so equal that... Anyone could win, so like no one really does truly stand out. But um, or maybe that's the bad part. Yeah, it, it, it could be good or bad. Like it's good, yeah. It's kind of unpredictable. We don't know who's going to win, but at the same time, like you don't, you're not really creating a star team here. That's that's yeah. That's the other point I was going to make was like there's no one who's really standing out as a star or anything like that. Yeah. Um, out of their series of matches, I think um, the match up with Lij with Sonata and Shingo on twenty fourth would probably be the best match they had in this stretch here. Yeah, it was uh, good. The interactions with uh, Goto and Shingo were great calls back to the you know their rivalry. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Um, after that, we've got the Empire team: Great Okan and Jeff Cobb sitting at bro. You can believe this? Eight points. What? <laughs> Another one? <laughs> November 24th, they lost to the Dangerous T. November 28th, they lost to Ishii and Yano. And November 30th, they defeated the Bullet Club team of Evil and uh, Yujiro Takahashi. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a rough go for the Empire this week, eating two losses and only managing to pick up one win um, against Evil and Yujiro. Um, You want to know something weird about this team? Hmm. Oh, like, Cobb is here. Working the this shit, right? Same day, that man was fucking working over in America for New Japan Strong. Completely different, like, dynamic. He was positive. He was working with baby faces. Like, he was a face. And then he comes over here. I don't know what the fuck that's about. Like, then his whole entire demeanor changed. It's weird. I, I, I don't know, man. I guess he gets into Japan, and I don't know. Just, yeah, the attitude changes. Switch snaps in his head or something. The, the, mood, the mood's about to change. Yeah, bro. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, interesting with great Okan kind of being the pin eater of this duo. I know a lot of people were kind of wondering who would be the pin eater. And yeah, it's definitely been Okan, which in, in a way I get it. He's a new guy and you think they wouldn't be pinning him. But I think they are really kind of established with the Okada loss um, that he was going to be a guy that. Could, that, that's beatable and that can be pinned And it seems like they're trying to push Cobb As more of, of the monster bruiser Of the Empire uh, And the guy that's not going to get pinned More of almost kind of like a, a bad luck fall role For Cobb here I mean if I could throw a bad Analogy out there If uh, 
Osprey is Triple H, then to me, Okan is Randy and Cobb is Batista. That's mm. what it kind of feels like to me. It doesn't feel like Okan is not important or that he is the designated pin eater. It's like he's the pin eater for now. Right. But we are heavily invested in him because they've shown a lot of signs that they are heavily invested in him. And he's not Bushi. You know, yeah. he's not Ujiro. Hey, and he's getting over there. There's tons of kids cosplaying as Great Okan. There's tons of question mark uh, mask gimmicks in the crowd, shirts, towels. So he, he's getting over. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. And uh, their matches have been pretty good. And, you know, I, I would wonder how many people that were really hating on the Okan gimmick when it first happened or after his match with Okada have actually tuned into watching these matches. Like, you know, I know Dave's not watching this shit because, I mean, I, I, I haven't kept up with the Observer, but I'm not, I, I haven't heard anything about him, like, being like, you know, I was wrong about Okan. This shit is working. Like, you know, I'm not hearing that. Yeah. Yeah, I've, also, I've been copping Observer, and yeah, he's not really talking about much of this tournament at all. Uh, but yeah, I think the Okan thing's working. It, the gimmick's getting over. He's having good matches. Um, you know, the Mongolian chop thing is getting over. A lot of his, you know, power moves are starting to get over. He's he's looking really good in the ring here. And I think Cobb, like I mentioned last week, I think he looked awesome. I think he's just so much better as a heel. Um, I I still don't necessarily agree with that sentiment, but like he's just. Muscling people, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I think that's what we, we wanted from him is more of his kind of muscling people around, throwing people around, uh, more of a aggressive in ring style, and that's what we're getting here. Um, Okan is far and away a much better promo than Jeff Cobb, and I speak the same language as Jeff Cobb. <laughs> <laughs> like Great Okan is a, a pretty great promo, and like Cobb, Cobb is like still like why. You want to know, and like you don't hear the interviewer be like, uh, Jeff. So, um, can you tell us why you you joined this? No, like there, it's just silence. And he's like, you ask me why, why? Don't focus on the why. Focus on the now. That's the 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 empire. Uh, the uh, the Hawaiian Empire. Me, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like he reminds me of like Keanu Reeves, in like nineteen ninety nine in the Matrix. Like sucks. <laughs> But he's such a great wrestler, yeah. and he's a great guy, and I like him a lot. Like he's funny, but like the promos are so bad. <laughs> um, out of these matches they had this week, I would say the Dangerous Tigers match was probably the, the best match. I mean, maybe maybe you could argue argue the Ishii Yano match. Some of the the interactions with Ishii and Cobb and um, Ishii and Okan were really good, but I, I'd probably lean more to Dangerous Tigers match. Yeah. Um, so we are finally moving on to the teams that I think are pretty much eliminated at this point. Uh, we got Evil Nujiro, six points, Bullet Club team, three wins, four losses. I guess they could still survive, but seems well, they got uh, two more matches left. Is it only two? Because yeah, they all have uh, seven matches right now. Oh, then yeah, they're done at this point because at the most they could do is tie with uh, the Chaos team, and I think they lost to them already. Yeah. So they're done. Uh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Tanahashi and Tohanari defeated the Bull Club team, Evil and Yujiro, uh, on the 24th. The 28th, Dangerous T defeated them. And then on the 30th, the Empire also defeated them. So they were, like, leading last week, and now they're at the bottom. Yeah, kind of so. <laughs> in that losing streak here. You know, Yujiro getting into the latter end of these matches and eating the pinfalls here. Um, 
And you know what? I'll say this. Um, Evil is a fantastic tag team wrestler. I said it last week, but, like, it is just true. He's always been a really great tag team wrestler. And he is still a really great tag team wrestler. And you know what? Yujiro's a better as a tag team wrestler, too. I'm not saying I like this tag team or that I want to watch them anymore or anything like that. And there's still been a lot of, like, shitty interference in these matches. But, like... I've been way more entertained watching Evil Nijiro wrestle in the World Tag League than I did for anything they did all year long for the most part. Yeah, amen to that, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. There's certain guys who are just better in tag scenarios, and that's just it. Um, no matter how hard you try to push them at singles, it just always works out better when they're in a tag team. And, yeah, I think that's the situation here for both of these guys, especially Evil. Um, you know, We've been doing this show almost three years now, and you never heard us complaining that much about Evil when he was tagging with Sonata in these tag leagues, in tag title matches. Uh, and they were ha- like we mentioned, they would have the good matches in the tag league, and then when it got to the big stage and the Minions, the Wrestle Kingdoms, and their tag title matches, they, they were having great tag title matches. Um, yeah, I mean, I I pretty much agree with all that. I think you put it perfectly. I mean, um, I know there's some people listening probably thinking like, oh well. They're happy now because they're losing and they're out, and yeah, that's kind of true from from a like from a fan perspective. I kind of feel that way, but from an objective standpoint, they're wrestling the best match, like the most consistently good wrestling that they have. And I'm talking of both Evil and Yujiro all year. This is the best wrestling they've done all year long in the World Tag League because I don't know they're more comfortable at it. They're, this is what they're well suited to do. Yeah, and I'm not sure if I I am happy that they're they're losing because that means that Evil's probably going to be a singles match instead of Oh yeah, I've thought of that too. I'm that's pretty normal. I mean, look at Tanahashi and look at uh we're going to get there, but Evil and Tanahashi are two big stars who are both on big like losing teams, and that's usually what happens when you have a big star in a team. So, you know, I have no illusions to think that they're de pushing evil <laughs> like that's right. they've invested in the guy they're going with him we know that like I'm, I'm bracing for it but uh i think this one of two things is happening here either he's getting you know as they like to say he's getting more comfortable in the role and he's learning he's growing and he's getting better that is possible or this is what he's always been good at and he's still good at it and that's what he should have been doing the whole fucking time yeah <laughs> and i think that that is the way more likely scenario I have a question from Kevin from D.C. He says, oh, man, oh, God damn it. <laughs> they are still pushing evil as a future single star. You can tell because it takes at least 30 seconds from Yujiro entering with Dick Togo, mind you, to evil entering. We're in for a long 2021 with a prominent evil push, aren't we, Josh? Josh, Josh, I know you wanted another evil question, so answer the question. Um, Yeah, I think that's probably the case. I think evil will be prominently featured. I really doubt he touches the IWGP title again this year, but um, could he be an IC champ? Possibly. If they ever split the belts. <laughs> could he be a U.S. champ? Possibly. If they ever get that belt back from Mox. Yeah. I mean, he could be an ever champ. He could just be, well, that's, yeah, maybe, but, like, I could, he's already been never champ. That'd be, like, going back to where you've been before, you know? Yeah. You don't want to do that. Uh, yeah. But he'll, you know, he'll be like, he might win like a G1. I'm not saying he should, but like, 
he's going to be prominent in a New Japan Cup. He's going to be prominent in a G1. He's probably going to headline or challenge for a title at some point in the year or something like that. You know. Yeah. Uh, next question from Rambone Slam Pig. This is from the perspective of the bookers or the company. Was the evil experiment a success or failure? Oh, my God. Was the plan Rich, to- Rich wishes he was here right now. <laughs> was the plan to make him an upper mid-card gatekeeper who was credible to heat up into a title program when needed? And if so, was that accomplished? Or was the plan to put him into the Okada Naito White echelon instead of a rung just below them on the ladder? If they reduce the run-ins, ref bumps, and garrote nonsense and let him just be a big bruiser who's a standard heel jerk, will we all be less put off by him in a year or two? Huh. Um, I think it's an interesting question. Um, because I was thinking by now we might be able to like kind of determine where exactly was this a success? Was it a failure? And I think the jury's still out on it a little bit. Yeah, I, I think in a pandemic world, we, we're not we're still not at full capacity crowds yet. We're still not having crowds cheer yet. Um, so it's hard to tell. Like, is he a draw? Like, all, you know, they're filling up the houses because they're, you know, half full or less than half full. And people want to go see New Japan. And so I just don't think he's – it's hard to say, you know, if, if he's a draw or not. He's, is he over? Uh, it's hard to tell right now. Well, I mean, let's say this, okay. Um, if you put your yourself in the mindset of a diehard Naito fan or LIJ fan um, and the whole idea was I want to see Naito beat this guy then yeah it could be I mean because it seemed that they did big business the several times they ran that match this year regardless of the perceived match quality you know Mm -hmm. I mean let's face it Naito's the biggest star in the company he's the biggest draw in the company and he needed a, da- a dance partner. Now, would I have preferred him to wrestle like a Tanahashi or someone like that throughout the year? Yes, for sure. Absolutely. But, you know, old school wrestling booking dictates that you have some sort of heel that you can run run against, you know, your baby face to draw. And I think that they're has been some successes with the experiment and some failures, you know, some of the successes like I think evil's a pretty good promo. I think evil's got a good look. I think evil probably does get some heat, whether it's good or bad heat. I don't know. Um, and he's definitely been portrayed in a light where he's taken more seriously than he ever was before from those, from those factors. It is a success from the factor of like the matches are really bad. They really are really bad. I think he's ill-suited for this role, and that was always pretty much the premise of our argument was like you could have pushed literally almost anybody else who was, you know, a decent worker and they would be better fit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, will he grow into the role, like, say, a la Jay White? Possibly, but uh, I think there's a ceiling for him, and I think it's a lot lower than what they want it to be. And I think it will be a mixed bag when it's all said and done. I You can't call it a full failure. It's not a full failure until, you know, no matter what anyone says about it, you know. 
are the matches as good as they were in 2018 in the main event scene? No, they're not. But it is. It, there's also unique situation and things like that. They they did try something. They're trying. You know, you have to credit the company. They try. Like we've talked about them not pushing new stars. They're trying to push new stars. You know, not taking risks. They're taking risks. I just think they did it with the wrong guy. Right. And that's always been the case. Yeah, and I think even if you remove the the ref bumps, the run-ins, and the garrote wire, I, I still don't know how much it's going to work. Um, the matches might be better, but overall, it's again, it's like one of those things where, like, evil, even before he was, you know, anytime he got a single shot in the old kind of gimmick, he still wasn't kind of knocking our socks off either. So. I completely agree. But let's move on here now to the the next team here. We're at the, the bottom of the barrel here with the the Bullet Club team, Bad Luck Fale, the Crown Jewel, Chase Owens. They are two and five with four points. They are eliminated from the tournament on the twenty fourth. They defeated Finn Juice as an upset win there on the twenty eighth. They defeated Henares, and then on the thirtieth they were defeated by Goto and Yoshihashi. Um, have have you noticed Chase Owens is getting in worse shape as the tournament goes on? Uh, he just seems to be kind of insane, bro. He was like, okay, he was getting into much better shape. Like when he first came back, I was like, oh man, this man's been working out. And then I don't know, man. They must be going to a lot of sponsor dinners, (laughs) (laughs) something, because like. Juice is getting back into like ring shape, you know, like we, we, we talked about juice, like kind of not being where he was. And now he seems like he is, you know, and, and Dave Finley's in great shape. And then like, I look at Chase Owens and I'm like, too many nights at the sizzler, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, funny thing. Well, these guys developed a new finish. It's the grenade launcher. Yeah. It's the new tandem move. And it's pretty cool actually, but you know, they're losing. Um, I mean, Folly's in better shape. So, I don't even think their matches have been that bad. They've been fine, you know? Yeah. Most most years, I really, really hate the matches that these guys have. This year, I'm, like, pretty, like, they're good. They're, I mean, not good, but they're fine. It's fine. It's, it's nothing, yeah, they're, they're not, like, egregiously bad or anything. Just, but usually they are egregiously bad. So, yeah. it's, like, kind of an improvement. And then the um, promos that they're cutting are really funny because, uh, like bad luck folly keeps saying he wants a recount. Yeah. <laughs> of the points. Yeah. <laughs> that from the matches they lost. <laughs> Which is funny when you think of it in that context. Yeah. You know, you lost the vote. Or you know, you lost the state. You lost the match. I want a recount, but you lost it already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't have much analysis on these guys. I mean, they've been fine. Um they, they picked up their first two wins this week. Um, beating Finjuice was kind of an upset win. Um, and then they faced off against the other team that was um, kind of on a losing streak, with, you know, Hanare. So they were able to uh, beat those guys as well. Um, and also, I don't really – I'll have to look at the schedule, but I don't think they're going to be winning many more matches uh, going forward. Yeah. I mean, they might play spoiler. Yeah. Uh, we had a question from Ken from DC. He says, uh, when was the actual downfall of Bad Luck Fale? Was it the head tattoos? I'm going with the head tattoos. Not a big fan. What is the podcast's opinion about head tattoos? Also, my boys, Fale and Owens are at four points, only two wins difference away from the top of the table. 
they're winning the whole thing. I will die on this on this hill. That is all. <laughs> um, I don't know when the downfall of Balak Fale was. Probably like in the last couple of years, just when he got like really heavy. Yeah, because I mean, when you saw that man when he first was kind of on the rise, he was in way better shape, mm-hmm. um, even than he is now. So, yeah, I think when he kind of just let himself go, that that was the downfall. Um. When he got the head tattoos, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't even remember when he got the head tattoos, to be honest. Like, I feel like he's always had them, like, literally his whole life. That's the way I... <laughs> he was born with them. <laughs> I, 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 I can see pictures of Skinny Follet in the dojo wearing the Blue Justice shirt, and he and he's already got head tattoos. <laughs> I know that's not a real thing. It doesn't exist, but in my mind's eye, that's the way I see it. Yeah, it's hard to picture him without the uh, head tattoos. Uh, you know, I, I personally, I, I don't have a problem with head tattoos. I mean, if you you do you. If you, if you want to have head tattoos, go for it. I mean, I, I'm never going to do it, so, but. I try not to judge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, Kevin, uh, these, these guys, they're, they're mathematically eliminated. There, because I mean, there's two more matches left. The most I can get is eight points at this point. Um, after that, we got Hanare Ace Hiroshi Tanahashi Toa Hanare. One win, two points, six losses. Um, they are eliminated. They were uh, victorious on the 24th, defeating Evil and Ujiro, which was a big shock <laughs> victory. Yeah, big moment there. Toa Hanare busting out the Toa bottom to get a win for the team there. Yeah, he beat Evil. And then November 28th, they lost to Bullet Club and then lost to Chaos. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Toa Hanare has been kind of doing the heavy list, lifting of this team. Bro, Toa Hanare has fucking ruled. Yeah. He's, he, like, one of the best things in this tournament, even though, like, the, the team's not that great. Yeah, he's been awesome with, you know, we can talk about the Muay Thai that he's been throwing in there. The, he has, like, a black mask, spin kick. He has, like, a juice effect. Uh, yeah, he's killing dudes with these strikes. Yeah, um, he's looking really good. I like, I love that sort of stuff. So I'm just like, dude, 2021 has got to be Hinari's year. We talk about it all the time. Like, when are they going to use this guy? When are they going to push him? Um, this is the most he's, like, ever stood out in a tag tournament that I can really remember. But it's, again, unfortunately kind of buried by the fact that they're losing almost every single night. Um I don't have much to say here. I mean, I, I think it's very clear they're gearing up for something for Tanahashi, if not for the Dome after. But, uh, you know, there's no reason for him to be pushed in World Tag League because it's the Tag League. And right. They're not going to win. And some, I know a lot of people might be kind of down on, you know, why is Tanahashi, you know, losing this much in Tag League. But if you look in the history of Tag League, when guys like Omega and Okada and Naito were in there, they were not, their teams weren't always winning or, or they were in the middle of the pack or towards the bottom. So it's kind of a traditional kind of thing. Tohonare is still in that, that role of eating pinfalls. It's not like he was, he's teaming with, you know, he's not teaming with Abushi or anything. So um, it kind of makes sense to why they're at the bottom of the barrel here. Nice. Well, I think that is going to do it for our Tag League coverage. Yeah, we did have a, a couple questions, though, uh, on this Tanahashi team. I was going to say that. We uh, got some questions. You cut <laughs> me off. God. Well, I thought, hate me. I, I thought you were moving over. I thought you were missing the questions. No, I wasn't. Gonna, there's a bunch of questions here. I wasn't going to. God, Jeremy. <laughs> go for it. No, you you go ahead. You you were so eager. You go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> so 
the first from Reddit user underscore stress underscore uh, says, there was some talk recently of Tanahashi's booking this year and his future within the main event scene of NJPW. The reality is Tanahashi's needs have clearly seen better days. I've reminded of similar points in Kiji Muto's and Kenta Kabashi's career in which years of moonsaults forced him to change their style and move sets, ultimately reinventing themselves and prolonging their legendary careers. I guess my question is, do you believe it's time Tanahashi retired the high fly flow and reinvented his moveset to accommodate his current condition? While he's still delivering great matches despite this, I can't help but cringe in concern every time he hits that high fly flow. P.S. If anyone knows Rey Mysterio got them good stem cells that obviously allowed him to magically grow two brand new knees back, please hook Tanahashi sound up. I think it's down in South America, from what I understand, is where you can get that done. <laughs> <laughs> I think like Venezuela or something like that, Peru, I don't know. Um, listen, here's the thing that I've observed and that I'm kind of learning. Pro wrestlers are fucking crazy, and you got to be really fucking crazy to do pro wrestling, especially at a high level like that. And um, this guy does it all the time, and like, Anytime he's in a big match and he thinks it's necessary to pull out the high fly flow, he's going to do it. And I find it hard to imagine he's actually going to adjust until a doctor says you have to. And then at that point, it's like, even then he might still do it. It's going to be my dad as a heel wrestler. Yeah. Like, I can't do it. I shouldn't do it, but I might do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I would love, I mean, we've been... We have advocated for years that Tanahashi stop doing the high fly flow. Find it at least he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to change his style. He already has changed his style, right? And we we saw it in the G one more this year too. He started using the, the Texas Cloverleaf a little bit more and actually finished some matches with the Cloverleaf. Um, so I think he's kind of established that, and so I think we, we might see more of that going forward. But in these big in the big matches, he's, he's still going to do the high fly. Well, flow. he used to do a final cut. We kind of saw him introduce a new version of the final cut. Uh, that was not good. And it wasn't good. <laughs> but it could have been good. It was just like the guy didn't take it right. Maybe maybe Tanahashi didn't do it right. I don't know. Like, you know, we haven't seen him do... Does it, does it feel like it's been a while since you see him do a sling blade? No. He's been doing sling blades all in this tournament. Okay. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm like, could he go back to like really trying to utilize that as something? I don't know. I don't think, I mean, let's talk about his moveset. It's basically, a bu- like, aside from just the standard wrestling, it's just a bunch of fucking dragon screws. Sling blade. It's a sling blade. Cloverleaf. A cloverleaf. Dragon suplex. That's about it, man. Like, those are his big spots. Everything else is going to just be like. Shote. Yeah. Bunch of strikes, shit like that. And he does a high five flow, but, like, all he has to, I mean, he's working such twist a and, safe. Twist and shout. Yeah, twist and shout. He's doing such a safe style. It's like all he really needs to do is just stop doing the high fly flow and change it. Yeah. But he's not gonna. He's not going to. That's the bad thing. Like, he just won't. It'll literally be like, you can't wrestle if you keep doing this. So he'll be like, all right, I love wrestling so much. I'm going (laughs) to, I'll finally change it. But by that point, his knees will be shot. And they already kind of are, so. Yeah. Next question from our user Grunty Dodds. What do you see Tanahashi doing at Wrestle Kingdom? I see him winning the gold. (laughs) (laughs) Which gold? The gold. One of them. (laughs) Something. I don't know. Um, I really don't know. I I think it would be a waste to not have Tanahashi in some prominent position. 
I don't know what prominent position that would be. I would like to see him go for the Never title, but did they already fight? Uh, I think they did. Dude, uh, like this tournament is so long and like running. It's funny because it's really like the same. We're basically covering a second G1 a few months later. Yeah. It's the same amount. It's like another 91 matches. Oh, actually, no, they're, they're facing on the fourth. Okay. I was like, I didn't think they'd fought. I wasn't yeah, sure. It's, it's the main event, uh, LIJ versus Nares. Oh, bro. I think that could be the setup. Let's go. And you know what? I think Hanaris will win that one. Yeah, me, Tanahashi, pinning. Tanahashi, pin Shingo. Yeah. That knocks him out. That sets him up. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> Let's go. Uh. The hopes are still alive. Yes. That's that's my call. Yeah. that's after, If I'm booking, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, bro. Y- y'all want to throw some questions to me about fucking David Finley wrestling in the Tokyo Dome <laughs> for the Never title? Nah, the ace going to ride again. <laughs> and he's going to win. <laughs> Dude, Tanahashi is never champion will rule. <laughs> Uh, oh my god! I would love him to be like, I will never face a junior. <laughs> this is a heavyweight belt now. <laughs> this is now the never heavyweight title. Oh my god! Um, Kevin from TC asked, or did you have anything about Tanahashi doing anything? Wrestling him? No, no. I mean, honestly, it, do- it doesn't seem like any of the AEW guys are coming over, so I don't think Fuck any- AEW. <laughs> None of that's a possibility. And besides that, I mean. Some of the top guys are already t- tied up in uh, double gold dash. I mean, I think a match with Chingo for never title makes the most sense, at least for one of the nights. I, I think Tanahashi is a big enough star that you should use him both nights. But last year he only wrestled on the fifth, right, against Jericho? Yeah. He, he didn't wrestle on the fourth. So, yeah, I guess maybe if you're only doing one, yeah, do a big. Bro, bro Shingo Tanahashi would rule so hard. What we need mocks for. We don't need mocks. We got Tanahashi. <laughs> um, Kevin from D.C. says, I know that not everyone can be a star in this company. And that's definitely one of the reasons that it's a special company, unlike, say, the Fed. However, what are your thoughts about Tanoa, <laughs> Toa Hanare? Why do you think uh, New Japan keeps him in jobber status? It is infuriating. He stays in Japan, and at a time when Jay White and Hiromu can go overseas and become bigger stars in the process, then they return to Japan and become huge stars compared to Hanare. Um, and then Hanari is, you know, just a guy status with his World Tag League taking losses, you know, taking loss to Balak Folly, stuff like that. Sorry for ranting. It's just completely frustrating. Yeah, I mean, we're big Toa Hanare fans on this show. We've, we've seen the progression. We saw, you know, the wars of Ishii, you know, and it's how he's evolved from that. And then the, you know, implementing the Muay Thai um, into his wrestling and just you know how much better he's gotten since we first uh, saw him. And it is, it is one of those kind of weird things like, all right, how much, what, what do they need to do to kind of get him past? Cause essentially, cause he's gotten so much better in the ring, but essentially he's still almost like a young lion. He's pretty much losing all his matches. The only matches he does typically win are against other young lions. Yeah. I feel like I would be a jerk to try and defend it, you know, because I don't advocate for it, but like it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Like at this point, I think what we've been waiting for is when is his big push coming? Because it feels like they've been keeping him on ice until they're ready to like go with him. And it felt like 2021 was going to be, or I'm sorry, 2020 was going to be like a year where they really started to go with him. And then the pandemic happened and it was like, 
it's not happening. But there was already allusions to him challenging Shingo for the Never title. Right, yeah. So I think that, you know, it does suck. I wanted him to be in the G1 or be in something or come back and do something. And then they, they only brought him back at the end of the year to take a, a bunch of losses. I could see how that could be perceived, you know, as not a good thing. But keep in mind, this company moves slow. They do a lot of things um, very long term. Does that mean that they are going to utilize him correctly in the future? I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, There's there's always missteps with any company, no matter how good the booking is. There's always going to be talent underutilized. It's just that's how it is. Yeah. Uh, next question here from Down Homie 101. He says, which tournament has, has been better so far, the Tag League or the Super Junior 27? Super Juniors, and they're not even in the same league. It's That's a terrible question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah, ha- hands down, best Super Juniors uh, is the better of the two tournaments. Awesome. So we have a preview of the next few shows coming up. Um, there will be like, Six, seven shows between now and next week, but is that correct? So this coming up week, we have one, two, three, four shows, and then the finals will be on, the overall tournament finals will be on the 11th, and then Super J Cup on the 12th. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to look at my calendar here. So if in the, the next two weeks, there'll be six shows. Okay, gotcha. You know what? So I was thinking we had to cover all of this between between now and next week, and I was like, God, it's gonna be a crazy week. Okay, that makes more sense. So let's run. Let's give, do the rundown and uh, our kind of predictions and previews here. Yeah. So uh, December second, we back with Best of Super Junior action and from Osaka. So we have Doki taking on Yuyamura, Rizuka Gucci taking on Robbie Eagles. Bushi taking on Master Wato, the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori taking on El Desperado, and in the main event we'll have Hiroshi or excuse me Hiromu Takahashi versus Show. I do that all the time. Um, my attention is fixed firmly on Hiromu against Show. Um, I think that also Ishimori against Desperado because of the high point totals of these four guys. There, those are two really really important matches. But Hiromu and Show, for personal reasons, as a fan, I'm like, I cannot wait for that. Yeah, I think that'll be a great main event. With Taiji and Despi, I'm interested to see. I feel like Ishimori is going to play babyface in that match. Um, and we're going to get some of that kind of Noah Ishimori, some impact Ishimori here um, against Esperado. Yep. And then, you know, Watto's got Bushi. I think he gets past him, most likely, although Bushi could play spoiler here. So that's also interesting. And then, you know, the opener, Doki. And Yumora, someone's O's got to go because someone's yeah. going to pick up a, a win here. So so then we move on to December 4th. We'll be back World Tag League in Beppu. We got the Dangerous Techers taking on Fale and Chase Owens. Goto and Yoshihashi taking on Evil and Yujiro. Finjuice taking on Tomohiro Ishii and Yano. G.O.D. taking on the Empire. And the main event will be L.I.J. versus Hanares. Um, yeah, I'm very excited for the main event just you know, that's not there on accident. You look at the booking. Why is this team that has lost almost everything in the in the main event against one of the most prominent teams? I think it's very clear Hanares is winning here. And I think, I know I'm talking myself into a shoot, but, like, I think Tanahashi's beating, or beating uh, Shingo. Yeah, I think so, too. That makes the most sense. Why else put this match in the main event? Bro, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, uh, I think also uh, Finn Juice versus Ishii and Yano could be pretty good this night also. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good bet when you're talking about Finn Juice just in this tournament in general. Plus, they've worked together before and had really good matches, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Super Juniors, de- December 5th in uh, Kagoshima. Uh, we're opening up with show against Yuya Yumura. Show going from a main event to opener. That's not not usually a good sign. I know it's against Yumura, but like I'm wondering. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> nah, yeah, nah. I think it's it's gonna be uh, Shock Arrow City for Yumura. No, no, no. What I'm saying is he's got Hiromu the night before, mm-hmm. and then he's going into the opener against Doki. So as far as like a star kind of elevation kind of thing, yeah. Because w- would if he was beating Hiromu, wouldn't you want to like follow that up and put him in another big match? Wouldn't you kind of have these ordered differently? Yeah. Unless uh, unless you you, you want to get that big win and then he gets that follow up win. I don't know. I guess I don't think they're gonna do that. That that almost is like a tell to me. Anyways, um, second of the night, Bushi against Doki. Third, El Desperado against Robbie Eagles. Um, fourth match of the night. Is this correct? Yeah, we have the return of Kota Ibushi on the tour. He'll be teaming up with Kojima and Hanma to take on the LIJ unit of Sonata, Shingo, and Tetsuya Naito. Oh. Naito back on the tour as well. I didn't know they were doing a preview preview matches like that. Okay. <laughs> that threw me off. I was like, <laughs> what is going on? Uh, number And then um, the semi-main event. Ishimori against Wato, and then the main event is Taguchi against Hiromu. Hmm. Yeah, that, that risque Taguchi Hiromu Takahashi match. Uh, we should get a big match Taguchi there, and it, it could be Taguchi playing spoiler here. It definitely could be him playing spoiler. It could also be him catching up and like getting into contention again. I don't know. I don't. I'm. Kind of hoping he just stays on in the back burner this year, but I don't know. And also, I'm, I'm afraid that uh, Kojima and Hanma's run here is going to end. Um, you think so? You think uh, Hanma's eating a Destino? Oh yeah, I'm looking at the. I'm 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 in like tunnel vision because I'm thinking of tag league and I'm thinking of you know junior, and then I'm like, oh, who's the pin eater? Hanma. Okay, yeah, they're losing. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, is there any match here that really is interesting to you? Because I think the most interesting match to me is probably, like, Despy and Eagles. Yeah, from an in-ring standpoint, Desperado and Eagles will probably be end up being the match. I don't know. It all depends on how, which Taguchi we get. Taguchi and Hiromu could end up being the show stealer. But as far as the intrigue, I think Despy and Eagles, yeah, that would be the most intriguing matchup. Then December 6th, we have the World Tag Leagues mixed with the best of the Super Juniors finals, all one show. Um, the matches that night, we don't know the order yet, but what we have listed, we got G.O.D. against Hinares, Finn Juice against Chaos, team of Goto and Yoshihashi, Dangerous Techers against Ishii and Yano. That kind of screams like spoiler match to me. Yeah. Um, Bullet Club team of... Bad Luck, Fale, and Chase Owens against the Bad Luck, or against the Bullet Club team of Evil and Ujiro. Interesting. Being the first time meeting of Evil with Fale and Chase. The underboss against Evil. Hmm. hmm. Um, LIJ against the Empire. And then the Super Junior matches we have Ishimori against Sho, Hiromu against Wato, <laughs> Taguchi against Doki, Robbie Eagle, 
Smith against uh, Yuya Yamura and Bushi against El Desperado. Interesting, because I, I feel like it's very clear that I, I don't I see Wato beating Hiromu. So I, th- I think Hiromu's going to win that one. I think Taguchi's going to beat probably beat Doki. Eagles is going to beat Yamura. Despi's probably going to beat Bushi. And I think Ishimori and Sho's a real toss-up. So, I mean, issue, if Ishimori, but, like, at the fi- at the end of this thing, the way it works is the top two people go to the finals, right? Right, right. With, like, and obviously there's tiebreakers involved. Right. Because, I mean, like, if, if Hiromu and, like, Ishimori just keep winning everything, then they'll just automatically both get in, even with the tiebreaker. Right. I don't know, man. I, I That's why I don't like single block tournaments. Yeah, I, I I don't like seeing repeat matches. I don't like the canceling out. Um, it just, especially when the prize for winning the tournament is another future date with someone that might be involved in the finals, and so it's so much repetitiveness. And we've seen this from New Japan in multi, multiple times now, especially World Tag League uh, season. Like I th- I think by the time we saw. Um, Finn Juice and G.O.D. in the Dome. We'd already seen it like three times prior to that. It sucked. Yeah. But yeah, it should be an interesting night, though. So I'll see the, the top two point-getters at the end of this night from Tag League and Super Juniors will face off on December 11th in the Budokan. I mean, the nice thing is like, okay, we're too far out. I, I mean, I don't have a def- – do you have a definitive, like, uh, prediction for all this? Um, for Super Juniors, I'm still just going to go with the safe bet with uh, Hiro. Well, so as far as the finals, I think it's going to be, I'm going to call a Hiromu show finals, and I'm calling Hiromu winning. Okay, I was thinking Hiromu show and maybe show beats Hiromu. And that could happen. Too. I would actually want that, prefer that, to get that more refresh. Uh, but think about it. Do you? Because then what does Hiromu do? That's well, the problem. Right. If Hiromu's not in the, the... Well, he beat Ishimori already, so you throw him in the title match. You could. Yeah, you could definitely do something like that. But it's like... But then he just lost the tournament, and then he's getting a title shot. It's more of that Jay White shit that people are complaining about. Yeah. I, I, I don't like that either. I Again, the company's kind of booked into a little bit of a corner here, and it's based on star status. Like... With with uh, Hiromu, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because it's like, okay, he's the biggest star. You kind of need him in play. But we've already seen him in Ishimori several times this year. So it's kind of played out. Yeah. They, I, I really think they should have never took the title off Hiromu. That was not a good play. And I kind of threw up the defenses for why they may have done it. Why it kind of made sense. But now I'm like, now we're in this situation. And it's not that exciting if he wins it. And if right. and if he doesn't win it, what do you do with him? They have to have something really cool planned for him because he's a big star. Right, you can't leave him all. He's on the promotional material. Yeah. Um, for World Tag League, I'm going to call um, rematch from last year, God Finjuice final. God uh, wins. God getting the win back. That's what I think is probably going to happen. So yeah, that we will it. sound so smart if it plays out that way. Because <laughs> that's like like that's kind of what I'm thinking personally. Yeah. I also think there's a chance that we get like Watto. I still think there's a chance Watto's in the finals. Uh, yeah. 
I don't want that. <laughs> I'm not saying I want it, but I'm saying I don't think Ishimori should be in the finals, but I could see Wato being in the finals either maybe against Hiromu. I know they're fighting on the final night, but, like, what if he upsets Hiromu? And then that's the finals. And then Hiromu beats him in the finals. And, and I hate that booking, not just because of who it is, but I hate it when they do the final night, guy loses, but he still gets into the... Right. They did that during the ta- the junior tag the mini The mini super junior tag league. Thing I thought it was so stupid. I hated it. <laughs> I hate that kind of... I hate these single block tournaments, man. I hate them. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, COVID will, will ease up and we can get a normal super juniors next year. Um, and hopefully they'll switch back World Tag League to being a block. Because even the last two years, World Tag League has been single block, which it had no reason to be. Um, hopefully we get a vaccine. Hopefully things get better. <laughs> yeah. But let's um, let's go. Let's, you know, we got New Japan Strong. We got some news and some questions. And it's late. So let's get through this stuff. So uh, New Japan Strong had their Road to the Nation tour. We had Clark Connors defeating Logan Regal. There's a little rivalry going on there with Clark Connors and DKC against the Regal Twins. So Clark got the win here against Logan Regal. Then ACH teamed up with Juice Robinson to defeat the team of Adrian Quest and Jordan Clearwater. And then the main event, we had Team Filthy, Dane Limelight, J.R. Kratos, Russ Taylor, and Filthy Tom Lawler defeating Fred Rosser, Babyface Jeff Cobb, PJ Black, and Rocky Romero. So really establishing uh, Team Filthy here on this Road to Show uh, next week's Road 2 show will have the DKC taking on Sterling Regal, continuing that rivalry there. Alex Zane versus Blake Christian, which is a big, you know, GCW match that you would see between these guys. Those guys have a history and a rivalry and uh, plenty of great matches under their belt, so that should be pretty good. And then in the main event, the Josh Smith special, the elimination tag match, you have... Uh, Finn Juice teaming up with Brody King, Carl Fredericks, and ACH to take on the Bullet Club team of Jay White, Kenta, Tamatonga Tangaloa, and Hikaleo. Nice. Yep. So then moving on to the news. Uh, first up, uh, the, the door is closing. As reported in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, uh, Tony Khan confirmed that AEW World Champion and New Japan US Champion John Moxley would not be wrestling at the Wrestle Kingdom shows on January 4th and 5th. Uh, Khan saying somehow people had tied the idea of Moxie losing Wednesday so he could quarantine and go to Japan. Whether he wins or lose was always immaterial to whether he would do the Tokyo Dome show as he is not on the schedule for the show. Uh, they have a question from Kevin DC. He says, now the question I obviously wanted to ask last week, if there wasn't such a big rush to record keeping a strong sell early, we all agree that All Elite is giving me an early birthday present and Kenny Omega winning the championship against John Moxley, freeing him up to defend the U.S. title at the Dome against Kenta. Uh, still wish it was Tanahashi, but whatever. My question is, who you got, Hideo or Ambrose? Well, <laughs> like the news says, Kevin, uh, Mox is not going to be at Wrestle Kingdom, so unfortunately, you, you, you might get part of your birthday gift of Omega winning. Omega still might win on Wednesday, but uh, Moxley will not be showing up at the Tokyo Dome either night. Um... Unless to work. It could be. We could be. My only thing is, like, for the most part, it seems like Tony Khan has really tried on these media scrum calls not to, like, put out bad information for any real reason. Um, I'm not saying he's infallible or anything. I'm just saying it's probably likely that what he's saying is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, You know, 
I don't know. I guess we we can have that discussion about what they should do later, but something's got to be done about the the red title at some point. I mean, it's it's getting to that point. Just, yeah, at this point, just just strip him. Like <laughs> you know, he's gonna be back whenever he comes back. You can give him the title back, but just give, give strip the title, put Kenta versus somebody in a title match at the dome, and give the belt to Kenta. Um. In other news, New Japan has announced that comedian, actor, artist, and musician Noritaki Kanashi, also known as Don Kanashi, will be part of Wrestle Kingdom 15. Kanashi is New Japan's special guest celebrity promoter, as well as a voice behind the theme song for Wrestle Kingdom. He's part of the comedy duo Tunnels and the pop group Yain. One of his most recent film credits is Inuyahashi. Inuya I don't know how to say that. <laughs> Inuyashiki. Uh, but yeah, so this was the, the weird video that we saw on one of the Super Junior Nights with the Don Kanashi, and he was managing uh, Okada to the ring and promoting Wrestle Kingdom 15. So it should be interesting, whatever that's going to end up being. It'll probably be something weird and wacky like we've seen oftentimes at Fantastic or at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> but speaking of Fantastic Mania, the joint shows of CMLL that take place in January, they are off the schedule. We made a joke about this last week, but yeah, they are officially off. The company released the schedule up through February 3rd, and that tour is gone after New Year's Dash. Uh, New Japan will return on January 17th at Cork and Hall for the New Beginning Tour, which would usually start about two weeks later. Uh, so the New Beginning Tour is starting when the Fantastic Mania Tour would have started. Um, they announced the first major show after the after the dome, which would be uh, February first, first in Nagoya, a new beginning in Nagoya, and there will likely be other major shows on that tour in early February, but they have not been announced yet. Uh, there's a story of Masahiro Chono in a weekly True Story magazine explained in detail about his not working as a color commentary at the 2019 G1 Climax due to Harold May, and he portrayed him as a CEO who knows nothing about pro wrestling. So obviously we saw May gone, Chono back this year, so definitely some smoke to that fire there. Um, it is the sixth anniversary of NJPW World, um, so pretty cool. We need to update some shit. It's been six years. Yeah. <laughs> um, the documentary of the life of Will Ospreay has just been released this past week on Amazon Prime. I wonder if it's that crowdfunded one that like never got made with all that money that they took from all those fans. I'm not sure which one. It, may, it might be that one. Maybe. I mean, I'll look into it. But like, I don't. Do you remember when that happened? I do remember. Yeah, that was that was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, we have um, you know the the AEW door might be closed, but the MLW door has been opened. Um, in the MLW Opera Cup, we saw Rocky Romero this past week. He lost to Filthy Tom Lawler. He lost to Lawler on Strong and. On MLW in the same week Tough week for our, our friend Rocky Romero uh, But some partnership there with uh, for MLW So he lost to Filthy Tom in the opening round And also in the opening round The great TJP lost to The Dynasty's Richard Holiday In another first round matchup We will see uh, ACH Taking on Laredo Kid So we're seeing some New Japan guys Appear here on MLW um, and the last thing here I have in the news and the Observer, they had the the attendance list for 2019, and New Japan came in with the fifth biggest attendance in 2019 with 38,162 for the January 4th Tokyo Dome, which was headlined by Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenny Omega. So that wraps it up for the news. Just have a few last questions here, and then recommended match of the week. 
Uh, so a question from our friend Karen. She says, should the winner of Super J Cup be allowed to participate in the Best of Super Junior slash IWGP Junior Championship match when they fight a third of the opponents of the Best of Super Junior winner? Or should they challenge at Dash or at U.S. events like Wrestle Dynasty? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I thought about that. I was like, you know, my my original theory, and I still kind of think it should maybe play out, is you have the uh, J-Cup winner come out and somehow end up fighting the uh, Super Juniors champion on the first night of the tour, and then the winner of that gets to challenge against Ishimori or whatever. You know, because pretty much what I'm advocating for here is probably Hiromu against uh, ELP. But if you did think about it in a kayfabe sense, it doesn't make sense because they're in a single elimination tournament, and it's not that would not be fair, right? But it is also a prestigious tournament, and a you know it's supposed to be this one night. Well, that's the one thing; it's all happening in one night. So it's like, yeah, they're not fighting as many opponents, but in kayfabe, they're fighting what four guys on one night, yeah, or three, 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 three guys on one night, yeah. That's a pretty big deal, you know. I mean. Think of it in terms of MMA, right? You know, like, back in the day, they used to have those one-night, single-night tournaments. That doesn't happen anymore. Now they, you know, they fight every so often. So um, I think it kind of depends on what kind of marketing and spin you put on it. Yeah, as far as the Wrestle Dynasty, also, we have no idea when that, that's going to be able to happen again um, until COVID kind of clears up. I mean, I, I feel like ELP is probably a strong candidate to go back-to-back, and I think you're, you're going to want him in a match at the Dome. So I could potentially see him being a challenger on a second night. Um, I mean, I could absolutely see, like, ELP wins it, he comes to Japan, he's doing whatever, and then... You know, maybe he attacks the champion or challenges the champion after they have their match on the second night or the first night or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, I They traditionally don't do stuff like this on Dash. But, I mean, if they did it next, it would probably most likely be, like... New beginning. New beginning, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin from D.C. says, All right, without Wikipedia, what is Kushida's first name? Uh, that is his name. You don't got a first name. His name's Kushida. <laughs> That's it. Just Kushida. I mean, should I look? I know he's got a name. I just don't remember what it was. Yeah, I I don't think I ever knew what his uh, his shoot name was. I'm gonna feel stupid when I see it because I'm pretty sure I. Oh, it's Ujiro. That's right. Mm. I knew it was like a name that other people in the company had, but I don't. I didn't know it. <laughs> is his name Ujiro Kushida? Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question here from Rambo Slam Pig. From the perspective of the bookers or the company, how would you evaluate Nigel's run at the top this year? Is the unique situation of the COVID era an almost total mismatch for what Naito has, what Naito does best, put butts in seats, move merch, and connect with the crowd using his charisma? Would his run have been better received with full crowds in a normal year? Is he just not capable of performing at the NWW main event slash title match standard consistently, or was he hamstrung? By bad booking, boring feuds, and a lack of crowds to play off. Is this Naito's last run at the top? Um, that was a great question. Um, it's, I don't know, it's really difficult to kind of answer this question because 
you've kind of got like the business side and then you've got the the entertainment side you know and those aren't mutually exclusive but they are separate it, like in one in in one instance like they didn't have anyone compelling for this guy to feud with all year to fill up Jingu Stadium and so that's kind of what the goal with Evil was was to build up an opponent so they could do Jingu and hopefully build make a new star and get people more invested in the Naito story, which domestically and even probably abroad, that seemed to work. So in the, on the one hand, it it was effective, but that's sort of like short-term booking and in a vacuum. I don't know if long-term this will you know, be seen historically as like a great title run or a great run at top. And obviously the COVID situation does play a factor into that, and I do wonder how much people kind of judge that you know like kind of handicapped the whole thing against it um right i mean we, we missed out i mean we missed out on the Hiromu match who knows what they would have done in april may and june um before g1 i'm sure he would have had more defenses there you could have had some fresh opponents there kind of the build into the g1 uh so yeah from the match perspective i mean obviously we kind of beat the evil thing to it you know beat a dead horse there but you know, they could have, he could have faced Tanahashi, he could have faced some other guys, and you would have had some better match quality main events. Um, but as far as drawing wise, I mean, with what they, I mean, what they're capable of doing. Right. They, they drew. And, you know, based off of our awards, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but it seems like Naito, in the eyes of fans, had a great year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I, like I've said earlier in the show, like he's the top star in the company. He just is. Um, so, yeah, I, that's another thing. Like, we're, I think we're still in the middle of it. It's too soon to kind of assess it historically, you know, to say what it is or isn't. I mean, you know, I've got criticisms of it, but there's also validity to it as well. So, um, Asai Yojimbo asked us, uh, in your opinion, who is the best wrestler on the U.S. roster right now and why? Hmm. Uh, that's easy for me. Who you got? It's ACH. That's that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, it's ACH, and I. I mean, it's pretty open and shut. I think ACH is by far right now the best, like non-signed to a major company talent. Period. Like, yeah. he's the best. He's the best freelance guy. He's definitely got to this point now where you know he's he's that veteran guy, and he's wrestling smarter. He still does some high spots and cool moves. Um, he's doing a lot more technical wrestling, just wrestling smarter, picking his spots, and uh, having some, you know, I watched some of his stuff from the, the collective, having some great matches with some of the young guys, putting the young guys over on the indies, and um, just kind of this kind of grizzled veteran now. Yeah, bro. The matches he had this year with, like, TJP, um, Fred Yehi, uh Moriarty. Moriarty, Gray, different, different guys like that. Like, they just fucking ruled. Like, he's so great. Um yeah, that's my reason why. He's the best. That's why. <laughs> um, but if we had to talk about people on the U.S. roster that are signed, I would almost want to go... I mean, it. it I don't know. I, I'll just tell you, I voted MV... My MVP that I voted for was Rocky Romero. Mm. But I don't know if everyone else did that. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people were putting their eggs in the, the Carl Fredericks and Kenta baskets as, as their first place votes yeah so um 
That's a great question, though. Dom Homie 101 asked us the question. Oh, this question goes out to the young boy. What are your thoughts on the Tyson versus Jones fight that took uh, place over the weekend? Was it an embarrassment? Are you glad that nobody got hurt except uh, for Nate Robinson? Also, thoughts on Jake Paul trying to fight Conor McGregor. Does he even stand a chance? Well, um, Dom Homie, I thought the match was the fight was great. Uh, maybe maybe I should call it a match because it was kind of a, <laughs> uh, was there cooperation? Yeah, there, there might have been some cooperation. I don't know. Um, those two guys, man, they they're both in their fifties. Two of the greatest legends of all time. I wish they would have fought in 03 when um, Jones had taken the heavyweight title. Um, I've got friends of mine that like I've told them I've always thought Jones would have beat Tyson back then. They think I'm crazy, but you know, you go look at his last two uh, <laughs> fights from that same time period. Um, I think Jones would have beat Tyson. I think he would have beat Holyfield in 03 and made mega million dollar paydays uh, chasing Antonio Tarver down to light heavyweight and destroying his body is what took his uh, prime from him. And it's what cost him his career uh, or, you know, or at least the, at the, at the top of the card. Um, but this fight was, I mean, it was very entertaining. Neither guy looked was embarrassed. I mean, yes, Jones wasn't in as good of shape as say Tyson was, but you could still see all the flashes of what made him Roy Jones Jr. His hand speed was insane. His ring awareness was great. He tied up Tyson. He never got rocked. He never got hurt. Um, Tyson looked game. I mean, these are both keep in mind, very old fighters. I was inspired. Like I was almost near, like I was like really like teary eyed at the end of it, just because of how inspiring it was. But at the end of the day, it was not quite an exhibition, but it basically was an exhibition. I mean, like, yeah, Tyson came to fight, but like at the end of the day, like no one got hurt. It, It was an exhibition. The, the, the fishy thing about it all, though, was at the end of the night, they called it a draw when it was clear Tyson. I mean, anyone with any kind of, like, sense would have known Tyson won. And then the thing that really makes it fishy for me is why they got two belts out there. You seen these pictures? No, I haven't. I've been kind of out of the loop of this whole Tyson stuff. So Rich sent me a picture, and they got this special commemorative championship belt, right? But mm. there's only supposed to be one for the guy that wins, right? Nah, they got one for Tyson and one for uh, Jones on the same night. And I'm like, mm, oh, that sounds like a work. That sounds suspect to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Jake Paul should never fight Conor McGregor. Um, I knew he was going to straight destroy Nate Robinson. Um, funny thing, we were in our chat and people were like, Nate Robinson's fight? I, I don't follow basketball, so I didn't know who Nate Robinson is. But I saw, like, people being like, oh, Nate Robinson's fighting Jake Paul. And everyone's like, yeah, he's a YouTuber. And they're like, oh, straight murder. Like, this is going to be. And I was like, yeah, it's going to be murder. Jake Paul's going to, like, beat him. And everyone in our group chat was, like, thinking I was crazy. But I watched these these two Paul boys, and, like, I know they know how to fight. Now, can they fight at a real level? No. No, not at all. But can they beat up, like, your average basketball player? Yes. That's what happened. And that's what happened. (laughs) I mean, he fucked him up and I knew he was going to fuck him up like bad because they, they literally train every day. Like they're so into it. It's, it's kind of weird. Well, cause they're making mil like they're making millions from it. Like it's kind of crazy, but, uh, 
if he fought Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor would fuck him up so bad that it's so it would be so dangerous that I don't think any commission should ever sanction it. They'd be liable. Like that's really <laughs> you cannot put one of the greatest strikers ever in history, regardless of you know the the combat sport discipline and uh have him fight jake paul the youtuber like no <laughs> uh his next question he says, what's the possibility of seeing naito leave versus kingdom still double champion because i could see the company giving him another big moment yeah you're kind of talking me into it i i think it's possible um i'm in i'm firmly in the camp where like abushi just needs to win both nights and that should be that but uh I mean, I could see why they would go with Naito again from a business standpoint. Right. And just, you know, the, the moment got ruined last year because of Kenta. Maybe you, you want to have, like, a special moment where it's no angle at the end. I don't know. Well, let me just say this. Okay. Logically, I don't think it makes sense. Um, But, you know, what's the big argument we've had for the match from, what was it, Wrestle Kingdom 12? What, the Okada match? Yeah. Yeah. People were just outraged that Okada won. But when you look historically at the business, the stories, the booking, everything they did, it's very clear that having Okada go over was the right business decision. If I think about business <laughs> and I think about what they could maybe do with Ibushi or maybe do with Jay White versus what they maybe could do with Naito going forward... I do think from a business standpoint, Naito's the most logical standpoint. Naito's best for business. Naito might be what's best for business. And there are people who like, there's a lot of people who are fans of him who are like, what he's saying makes sense. Um, and, and there's a lot of people who like have not been big fans of what's been happening in the main event scene since he got on top who are probably like shouting. But I'm just challenging you to try and be open-minded. Think about the fact of the matter is like, Abushi, yeah, he's popular, but it's very clear he's not the merch seller that Naito is. He doesn't have the fan appeal that Naito has. Like, he doesn't draw like Naito. Could he? Maybe. And I think if you ever wanted to find out, now's the time to do it. But if they were going to go with a guy that's, like, proven to draw and they want to get the last bit of juice out of him because he is probably at the tail end, you probably have Naito go over both nights. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I know those people don't want to hear that, but that's, I don't know. If I was a businessman, if, if I was running the company, it was all business and it was not just logic and booking and all that storytelling. I would put Naito over both time, both over both guys. Yeah. From a business perspective, that makes a ton of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, his last question says, "Who would you take over as who would take over as Booker if Gato would ever step down? To me, it would be between Tanahashi and Liger. I have no idea because I don't know who would be good at booking. I do know Liger has experience booking in the past. Um, and just because you're a great wrestler doesn't always make you a great Booker. No, in fact, historically, history tells us the opposite. Uh, very often." the best wrestlers are not necessarily good bookers. Um, I don't know who would be a good booker. All right. That's just, yeah. We would have to know these guys personally to, to know who would, who would be a good booker. Maple Leaf wrestling history podcast at MLW history pod asked, have there ever been any junior heavyweights 
uh, wrestlers that posed a legitimate threat to the New Japan main event scene or the IWGP title picture. I get that beef equals belts, but I'm just curious if you guys know. Well, I mean, we've been seeing this for the last several years. Even this year, I mean, we saw Hiromu challenge for the double titles. We've seen Osprey and Chingo kind of break into the heavyweight scene as still juniors. We've seen uh, Prince Devitt as a junior was challenging Tanahashi and kind of busting out into that main event scene. Um, so several times we've, we've seen juniors kind of be elevated to the heavyweight level and get title shots or beat big main event guys. Obviously certain guys get a little bit further. We're seeing, you know, Osprey and Shingo were able to graduate as heavyweight. Uh, there's a possibility that we could see Hiromu. There's rumors that Devitt would have eventually gone heavyweight. Uh, you know, we've seen Kenny Omega go from junior to heavyweight, eventually the title. So, there are several guys who start off in the junior and kind of break into that main event scene. Um, everything you said there, Jeremy's factual, and I agree with you, but let's boil it down to what he's saying. Have there been any juniors who posed a legitimate threat to the IWGP title picture? That kind of takes it away from, like, guys that were transitioning, guys that were, you know, it's like what juniors ever were, like, a legitimate threat. Realistically, the real truth is probably zero, but you can make arguments for most. And there, there's definitely been people who've competed at heavyweight as juniors. You know, even guys you didn't mention, Kanemoto, Takaiwa, people like that. But um, the reality is there's only been two guys who really were ever quote-unquote threat, and that's Prince Devitt and Jushin Thunder Liger, and neither of them succeeded. Um, you got to go heavyweight if you want to win that belt. If you want to play with those big boys, you got to you gotta go heavyweight. We're seeing it. Almost everyone that you listed there, Jeremy, where you're like, well, they were kind of there. It's like, but then they went heavyweight. You know, Omega, Abushi, right. all these guys. That's the deal. Like, Liger never went heavyweight. He never really was actually serious. Like, the, the only reason I even mentioned him is because he had the title shot against Hashimoto when he was at the top of his game. And he, you know, but in the G1s, he always got fucking rocked. <laughs> and then, um, and then, you know, Prince Devitt did. Now, he was a legitimate contender, but even uh, in the match with Okada, we reviewed it. It was like, it, it wasn't that serious. Right. You know, like he, but he'd beat Okada in like a G1. He'd beat like a Tanahashi, yeah, beat Tanahashi in a G, yeah. G1. He, he'd have good G1s sometimes, but that's it. Like, I mean, he's not going to win a, you got to go heavyweight, man. That's the deal. Nice. Well, that is the last question. Now, real quickly, we'll do... Oh, one thing I will say, though. If we're talking about stardom, guys that are on the same level as the heavyweights, well, then you got Liger and you got Tiger Mask. And that's about it, realistically, in terms of true superstardom. Like, they're revered and drawing and that sort of thing. There you go. Well, speaking of Tiger Mask, that was... Uh, Tiger Mask was in the recommended match of the week last week. It was Tiger Mask versus Dynamite Kid from August 5th, 1982. Uh, if you're trying to find this match on New Japan World, it is not. You have to look on uh, Daily Motion for this match. I'm sure you probably figured that out by now. But yeah, watch this matchup, and it was absolutely awesome. It's, you know, these guys were out here uh, doing things that you would see in matches today. Just the great openings, the great opening sequences, how fast they were. The crazy risks uh, they were doing there back then. Um, 
the you know suplexing out on the floor and some of the planchas and stuff like that and Tope's uh, Tiger Mask was doing um, great uh, pile driver from uh, Tiger Mask to Dynamite Kid, which uh, kicked out at one, which was awesome. Uh, Tiger Mask kicked out of uh, the big you know tombstone and headbutt spot, which is great. Um, and then the finish here, uh, Tiger Mask, he does like this gut wrench tombstone thing. Into the moonsault to get the win So it was a really great match Of let's like you know you hear people You know people saying oh these people are killing the business now When you look back like these guys were out here Doing like high spots high speed Wrestling like this match you could Air this match today on a show and it Would fit in there are things when I watch it in modern like with Modern eyes there's problems Um and This match is so famous and so influential That it does get nitpicked To death but all the great things about it also by modern like viewers seem to get overlooked, you know? And I mean, like I liked, like when I've watched this match, when I've enjoyed it the most is when I'm watching it in context. So either as part of the series of matches that those two had together, which I think this is one of the, after rewatching it, I still love it. I do think maybe the 83 match is better, but uh, this one's still great. The other thing I've done is like, I've watched a lot of shit from 82 like a yearbook or whatever. And then when I compare it, I realize like, oh, this is pretty much head and shoulders above most of what was going on in 1982. Um, and it's it's just so, it's really far ahead of its time, you know? And yeah. just, just mixing of like all the Lucha stuff that Tiger Mask brings mixed with all the British World of Sports style stuff that was so like influential for like the early junior scene in New Japan and pretty much across the world, like the indies and everything. Yeah, yeah, great matchup. So if you haven't watched this one yet, definitely go out of your way to watch this one. Uh, this week's recommended match of the week, like I mentioned on earlier in the show, um, didn't really see much ratings of reviews, but I saw some gifts and it, it piqued my interest. So this week's recommended match of the week is from the Never Open Weight Tournament Finals to crown the first ever Never Open Weight Champion featuring... Machine Gun Carl Anderson versus Masato Tanaka, November 19th, 2012. Did you watch it yet? I did watch it. Is it good? Yeah, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Is it just pretty good? I mean, it's not like a five-star match or anything. Jeremy out here. Uh, but it's it's a brawl. I mean, there, <laughs> there's, there's juice. There's, there's blood. There's tables. Uh, okay, I'll watch it. But here's the thing. You did say... Dark Ages. I 2012 is not really. I mean, I guess the tale. I don't know. Okay, maybe, maybe not complete Dark Age, but still. It, I was thinking like we we're going back to like 05, <laughs> you know, 06. Yeah. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Watch some Makai Club. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a pretty good match. Uh, yeah, there's, there's some juice, there's some tables, there's some brawling all throughout the crowds. They're in this kind of small little like studio kind of thing. I've never seen it. So um, this will be the first time I've ever seen this match. It's on New Japan World. Yeah, it's on New Japan World. You can, you can type in Carl Fre- Carl Anderson versus Masato Tanaka. Nice. Well, and, uh, I'm a big art. mark for Masato Tanaka. Always have been. So, and you know what? I've seen some of his never work, but not nearly enough. So this will be pretty cool for me. Nice. Well, that's going to wrap things up this week. Uh, next week, we'll be back to cover up that latest uh, final stretch there of World Tag League Super Juniors before we get to the finals in 
Super J Cup. Uh, make sure you go out and you vote in our Keeping a Strong Style 2020 Year End Awards. Links are all out there on Discord, on Reddit, on Twitter, on Facebook. There'll be the link will be in the show notes for this show. So please, if you haven't voted already, go out and vote. And if you have voted, please share the ballot with a friend. Uh, want to make sure we beat last year's number of people who voted. And just, you know, make sure we have the, the best awards possible. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate. On the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. Our network is at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. On Facebook, we're Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we're at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Y'all just keeping it strong style. Email me, Jeremy, at SocialSuplex.com. You can also check out our Discord, Social Suplex. Link for that is in the show notes. And check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. We have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. We have Grave Consequences with Kayla Malarati. We have the 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2 and Sandy. And we have the Great Match Generator and All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we'll catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style. The ace of podcasts. Itchy bomb. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.